You just started. Yeah. I hope you liked that whip that was supposed to be off camera. Welcome to Alex Reed, folks. And this guy has got moves, not just in the ring, but in the sack, apparently. We're going to get frisky, and bits that may have to be edited out. Alex is enmeshed in legal issues. More importantly, forget the police, forget legalities. The biggest policeman I have in my life is my missus. <sighs> <laughs> <She's the laughs> yes. Alex, why did you, Alexander, why did you say that? Do you like it when she punishes you? <laughs> no, no, it's not the sort of punishment I like. You know, you got a missus? No comments. <laughs> That's a no, then. <laughs> Sorry, we digress. Where were we? Carry on. I was bigging you up about your fighting skills. I'm going to put in the link to the description box below this video, his fight with Tom Watson. It's got over a million views. I watched the first two rounds this morning when I was in a hot bath. In a bath. <laughs> <really. laughs> Do you always watch men sweating and wrestling each other in the bath? <laughs> you do. I'm getting flustered. We may have to open the uh, door in a minute, James. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I watched your interview with James English. I watched your London reel. There was a moment when I thought you were going to put James English in a headlock. That was quite yeah, compelling viewing. Yeah, there was. I tell you what, that was about right. Um, I did a TV show. Uh, it was Channel Four News. I was talking about um, the Jeremy Kyle show. Someone just committed suicide, and I was on there because I went on the Jeremy Kyle show. <laughs> Um, long story short, was that? it was all right. Actually, it was a really great interview. It was fantastic. But the only thing was, it's tarnished with the brush, the Jeremy Kyle show. So yeah, that's unfortunate. It's uh, long story short. I I was saying they, uh, the news interviewer said, "What do you think? Do you think it should finish, or do you think it could carry on?" I said, "Well, it has the ability, the Jeremy Kyle show, to do some really good work." If it has, if it reforms, if it's like, what's that lesbian lady in America? Oh, what's her name? And I said, Ellen. But my PR guy said, Alex, why did you say lesbian lady? It, now, you can't, we can't use that. I mean, today we could be too PC. I'm a geezer. I'm an ex-paratrooper. You know, you say, you say things that down the pub when the camera's not rolling, maybe that you wouldn't say if 100,000 people are watching. Because you're always going to offend someone. But the thing is, you, you've got to relax a bit. I mean, I, did, I meant no abuse by saying lesbian lady. Now, going back to James English... He was like mocking, um, I, I talked about eating meat. He said, oh, I know you do. And I thought, I laughed a little bit. But actually later on, I said, that's not cool. And we thought about taking it out. But I thought, do you know what? It's fine. It's, we, you can be too PC. How have you found this when when you're doing this, trying to be PC? Oh, man, it's and a not nightmare. Upset, it's not an upset absolute nightmare. I mean, my channel started as a prison channel. Prison slang is not exactly PC. No. Recently, I interviewed Stephen French. And Stephen French, out of Toxteth, Liverpool, he used the N-word multiple times, so many times that even after we got in trouble for the first version and edited the N-words out, there were still N-words in it, and we had to take it down again and put it back up for a third time. Yeah. So that, that kind of like spoils like the momentum of what we're trying to do here. It's, it's frustrating. I, I, I was talking... I've got some notes today because I did the James English show. and I Shout out to James. I'm going to put the link in to Alex's uh, 
video with James in the description box. So check that out as well. And it, I like it was really great. I've done lots of podcasts. Um, I've heard really big things about you. That's why I'm here. But uh, um, I didn't plan anything, and it was kind of a good. I was, I shot from the hip. But what I've realised is um, I did get a bit of stick, and I'm okay with that because if you're not getting a bit of hate, you're not doing something right. But then I didn't get the points I wanted to get across. And I think I've got a, a platform. And when you've got a platform, you've also got a responsibility, which is you can't just do what you want. You've got to think about not upsetting people. And to reach more people, but you can't be too PC because then you water, you're down your truth of who you really are. I'm completely desensitized because I've been through prison. So I've had to learn as well about certain lines must be drawn. And there are people who aren't as desensitized as us. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't want to offend those people. You can use any any word you want. And you, and you can call me a C-U-N-T. With, and, and I can say, oh, you, you C-U-N-T. But if there's a way you say it, that's the way you say it. That's the same with the N-word. If I say F-U, it's, it's the, the, the implication, the interpretation. But people get so, oh, you can't say that. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Yeah, so it's all about having a laugh, and some humour is is um, offensive to some people. But it's like Joe Rogan says, you know, there's got to be a medium to let this energy out, this tension yeah. out, and humour is that medium. I think now the way the the media is going with more podcasts, with more people going online, they're not. It used to be they say mainstream media like ITV, um, BBC, Sky. They're all sitting there, all prim and proper, daytime TV. I'm like, fuck off. This is, they're not real. And people are faking what they really mean. And, and I know the bullshit and I know the lies. Oh, I know the lies. I know the lies. We'll talk about lies later. And it's those people who are pretending to be the most righteous in society. People on TV, the fakers, the judges, some police. From my interviews with sex workers, I've learned that those people are the kinkiest people in society. They're up there on their pulpits, preaching to the masses, suppressing the inner sexual urges. And that suppression causes a warpedness that leads to such a high frequency of paedophilia amongst the elites and all kinds of strange... You know, I'm not knocking kinky behavior, but illegal behavior and paedophilia... I was going to say, because kinkiness is fine. I mean, but it's it's perversion just is is when that you're doing something against someone's will. Yes. Or yeah, you know, there's or it's something that people aren't enjoying. That's not fun. That's that's not that's not right. Be kinky as you want. And I guess I guess though, it's is it um, very English? You've got to be prim and proper, and this is how you've got to be, and we must behave a certain way. Is that where? These perversions come from because they want to rebel against it? Is that what you're trying to say? I'm saying that by getting on the pulpit and saying to people, you know... Like, you should behave like this. Yes. They are suppressing their own inner sexual needs. I'm talking about like the extremists who say, oh. you know, no sex before marriage, all this kind of stuff. They're preaching that thing that to other people. Yeah. Or people who just uphold the law all day. You know, judges. I'm told by sex workers that yeah. judges are some of the most regular clients, are some of the kinky, most kinkiest clients. Totally believe that. Totally believe that. I mean, I've, I've dealt with a lot of um, psychologists uh, having therapy and stuff. And I'm like, 
afterwards. I'm like, and forensic psychologists for different things I can't go into. But I'm like, this person is giving an opinion, a legal opinion to professionals who, who are, and I'm like, this guy's not with it himself. He's, he's got the most, he's not together. I, how can this person be trusted? I mean, I don't know his personal life, but you can get a, you can get a sixth sense from someone's aura and their, how they are just, just from, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's extrasensory perception. If you, if people don't know what I'm talking about, I just, you probably can't comprehend what I'm saying, but you can almost say, see when someone, you can just feel someone's not right. And this person has got all these qualifications and they're, they're telling you how you should be. I'm like, well, let's see how this shine a mirror on you. Oh, we're not here to discuss me. We're here to discuss you. I did a lecture to psychotherapists and psychiatrists in London and I talked to them all individually afterwards and they were all as crazy as anybody and they had become therapists and psychiatrists to heal themselves in the first place. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with I that. I am too. As long as they're not still fucked up uh, and yeah. putting their fucked upness on you. Yeah. Because it's like a reformed smoker. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't smoke! It's bad for you. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> we're all fucked up. And I think it's a lifelong learning lesson to take time for introspection, analyze ourselves and try and improve and just become less fucked up as we go along. We're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. We have emotional reactions to things. We get carried away and we make those mistakes when we're not in that rational frame of mind. As we look at mistakes, this is your book. <laughs> Was this a mistake? Mistakes that lead to do SWAT you, teams. Do you often wonder? I mean, I, I look at my life. What and I? Uh, you're fifty-one. Yeah. I'm a few years younger. You're forty-five, and you get around this sort of age. You like you start questioning what life's all about. What? Why are we here? All this pain and suffering, all of the mistakes. I've had money. I've lost money. I've had my lost money again. I'm sure you've had even more crazy yeah. experiences. And I mean, this looks quite like. Is it a mistake or is it a lesson? Wait, how do you explain this? What's this all about? So, oof, I do a In like a one sentence, if you could paraphrase. What? Okay, so, lad from Widnes, Cheshire, grows up with no money, starts trading the stock market at 16, becomes a millionaire in his 20s, has no emotional maturity whatsoever. The rave scene in Manchester and Liverpool had such a big impact on him. He wants to transfer that scene over to the Sonoran Desert, over to Arizona. At the peak of it, he's throwing parties for up to 10,000 people. He's running an ecstasy trafficking ring, hired about 200 people um, to run that with him. And his competition is Sammy the Bull Gravano, underboss of the Gambino crime family, who's got a hit out on So him. for those people who don't know, that's quite a serious dude. Yeah. Who's a scary dude. Yeah. With a lot of power. Yeah. And yeah. I was getting protected by the New Mexico Mafia at operations in Mexico, so we had to be good with the, the guys in Mexico as well. And, um, I mean, look at me. I'm just a business graduate. That's what I was going to say. You, you come across very well-to-do, um, amenable, nice, pleasant. I've chatted to you before we've done this. And this guy's a gangster? No. 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 But, I mean, you. I'm sure you and had... And gangsteritis. Gangster writers. Yes, I'd watch too many movies like Scarface and the and, and Blow. And when you're a young person, high testosterone young person, you get gangster writers. And I tell young people now, keep your day jobs, folks, because it leads to into the prison 
police or death? I have some experience, and I totally agree. Yeah. And I was talking to a friend who was a gangster, was a tough guy, and now he's, I was like, listen to him yesterday. Um, what happened to you? He's got five kids, and he's at home. He's got. He's going blind, unfortunately. And he's just, he's daddy daycare, basically. And I said, what happened to the tough, badass? He's gone. He's disappeared. This is what life's all about now. And it's surreal. Like, I hear what you mean, gangsteritis. As you're young, you want to be, you've got a weird perception of how you should be. But you, we, we do eventually grow up. If and you're... now now you're a Guilfordian. Is that so? <laughs> a, Guilford, we're in Guilford. Next to Aldershot. Good old Aldershot, yes. I love Guilford. I went to acting school here. So how long have you been in Guilford? So I ended up in Guilford because one of my ecstasy suppliers out of LA who got arrested a few years before me, he ended up getting in the federal prison system, deported back to London prison, then in the halfway house in Guilford, fell in love with Guilford, as you do, it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, my prison sentence was running later than here, so I ended up at my parents' house in, in the north. And then uh, DJ Mike Hot Wheels, who's in Guilford, he um, said, just come and move in with me. Because, you know, to get my DJ career going. DJ Hot Wheels. DJ Mike Hot Wheels, yeah, he used to come out and play my raves and uh, bring a few... This, so, so this is after you're not a gangster anymore? No, this was when, at the peak of what I was doing. Oh, so you're here yeah, while you were... Yeah, this is all in my book, Party Time. Yeah. Mike would, Hot Wheels would fly out from LA and, and gig at my raves and, and bring a lot of pills out as well. This was before I was going through Holland. I was going through LA before I started going through Holland. Tell me, uh, I love you're interviewing me, but I'm fascinated. <laughs> this is how it should be, like, I mean, a proper chat, because I've yeah. got loads of people who want to... Having mixed with precarious individuals, mm. what I'm not... I didn't envy them, because, like, they're always doing this. Yeah. And, and But that becomes not even... It's just, like, breathing. So they don't know any other way. And one thing I know about... Uh, I want to live a long life. Um, I, that's one thing I do want to do. I, want to, I think we live about eight years on planet Earth. I'm over half of that now. I want to live the rest of them at least and healthy without doing this. And stress is one of the biggest killers bar none. I, want to I don't just want to live. I want to thrive, right? So you must have been, because I've been, do I share this? I was somewhere once <laughs> on a mountain. <laughs> About to go into a, a room in um, in the Caribbean, and uh, the uh, the guy I was with, I said, "What's to stop these guys we're going to go and meet these Caribbeans? Have AK forty seven shoots and throws of us over the side of the cliff?" And it's all I don't know. I just, I've got them out of my depth here. I don't know. Well, I can't get involved in this stuff. What am I doing? What am, I'm I'm here too late. All this is going through your head. I'm like, what? I'm mixing with the wrong people. That was like, holy, it wasn't brown, but it was close. I mean, surely there's poems where you're thinking, you, do you get used to it? So I was working in the stock market for the first five years in America. I thought I was just going to have a normal life. Bring Wildman over, my best friend from childhood. And that opened some doors to some um, criminal organizations. I get a call one day, I'm working in the office in the stock market, I get a call from one day from a guy who's selling ecstasy for us called Fish. He says, can you grab Wildman and come over here? There's a situation. I said, yeah, what's the situation? I'd rather not say on the phone. All right, I'll go and grab Wildman. 
go to wild man's place he's out collecting debts for some colombian crack lord so i can't get him so i drive over to this apartment in tempe arizona it's about a 30 minute drive fish answers the door of his missus his missus is in tears i think she's been assaulted and they want wild man to do something about it so what's the matter They're like so terrified they can't say anything I hear an electrical crackling sound coming from another room. And they look at me and they say, you best just go and look yourself. So I walk down the hall into the room, open the door, and there's a naked, hog-tied man with a rockabilly quiff on the floor. And all of these Mexicans are stood around him. And there's a guy that I've been introduced to through Wild Man from the New Mexican Mafia who's got this, an older guy with this stately, swept-back grey hair stood over the Mexicans, giving them commands in Spanish, and they're pulling these cattle prods out and electrocuting this guy. And every time they electrocute him, piss just squirts out of his dick onto the floor. Now, I've never seen anything this level before in my life. I say to Fish, what's happened? Fish says, look. Is he unconscious? No, he's, he's conscious. He's screaming. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's all tied up and stuff. Um, Fish says, he came and bought drugs, waited for me to leave the house, came back to the house, robbed my drugs, robbed your drugs, robbed their drugs. I called you, I called them, and they got here first. So basically they held him, they told his roommates 10 grand, 24 hours, or we're taking him out to the desert and the money was paid. But I'm in a situation where, where, you know, I'm working the stock market, I'm seeing this and I'm thinking, all right, what do I do? Do I look shocked? And these guys think I'm a liability or do I somehow try and play along even though I'm shitting myself? So I look at the head guy with the gray hair and he's smiling at me like, welcome to the family. And I say, look, I couldn't get wild, ma'am. I've just run over here from the office. I've got to get back to work. Looks like you guys have got this situation under control. And I left the place thinking, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with these guys. But I was, I was worried because it could have gone either way. But yeah, I mean, that it was-, that was got, that, it will Kill you or kill them? Kill if him. they think I'm leaving and I'm going to tell someone, yeah. if I'd have indicated I was scared, yeah. they could have saw that as weakness. I see. Yeah. And then, right, we need to keep him here as well. Yeah. So that was, should have been my fucking wake-up call. Yeah. But it wasn't. I was on drugs. I was on crystal meth. I was on ecstasy, GHB, or Mexican pharmaceuticals. They'd scrambled my decision-making processes to the point where I was just thinking I'm living like a character out of a movie. I didn't see... I was blind to the danger of it. For that moment, I was shitting it. But I still couldn't get out of the lifestyle. I, was, I got more and more deep into it. And that was just one situation out of several. It's, I've seen that. I mean, we've seen the scene. We've seen the film Scarface, the, the first scene before they... <sighs> they he's the guy, his mate, he's, he's handcuffed to the, the, the bath above the shower and he's going to get chainsawed and his mate's... Just chatting up a girl. Oh shit! I better run upstairs. And he shoots him. But yeah, it just the reality of having. Mm, just careful what I say. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seeing having experienced some things like that. It's allegedly experienced some things yes, like that. Yes. Yes. So I tell young people yeah. now, not the way you, to be. If you've got that energy, like aggressive energy, like wild man. Or energy where you think, you know, you need this excitement, adrenaline junkie. Channel it into positive addictions like MMA. MMA, baby. What got you into that? I was a bully kid. Um, I grew up 
not far down the road, 10 miles down the road in Aldershot. Um, I love Aldershot. Um, youngest of six. Um, mum and dad had made all the mistakes and so I was quite lucky to become like hippies at that point and very relaxed, f- full of culture, love and I was bullied at school um, because I was so creative um, and you, you, I didn't um, conform to the social stereotypes. I'd ask questions if it felt like a, a question to ask and you'd, I'd ask, I'd get bullied. So still, but being strong, even though I didn't like being bullied, I turned to martial arts, Bruce Lee and uh, Van Damme, all those sort of films. It was watching them that got piqued your interest. Yeah, I mean, I was into, I think I've said this many times on Star Wars and that's quite religious stuff actually. It's quite, what a great, um, childhood to have someone like Jedi to look up to and He-Man funnily enough I mean he would there's a little bit camp mind you in his Ugg boots <laughs> his furry pants <laughs> and his bondage outfit going around slaying people mm. with his mighty sword I was, he's, he's I was clearly on juice as well <laughs> <laughs> I was obsessed with like the Fantastic Four from childhood and Marvel Which, who's your favourite one stuff like that Thing Thing yeah Thing I'm, my favourite ones are Thor oh, yeah, Hulk and Iron Man yeah, I like Iron Man because he's just a man. That's why I like Batman as well. If I was going to, I I I go on to why I like those guys. Um, they want to make the world a better place. So I wanted to be a tough guy. I wanted to stop all the bullies. Um, so for me, fighting MMA wasn't so much about being a tough guy. It was about getting justice for people to be to protect for evil to exist. A good man does nothing. Um, and I come back to that theme a lot. But um, so you joined the dojo. Uh, I joined several dojos. Yeah, at what like age? Fifteen. Fifteen. Um, I was into lots. I had lots of playground school fights, and I was getting as as I was a late developer puberty, and some of the kids had got a more natural advantage because they got more testosterone. I was like, I needed an advantage. Kung fu to the rescue. Have you ever done Kung Fu? No. Any martial arts? Karate. Oh, karate? Yeah. What belt? Um, just got almost to black. Did all the training for it, but because my work took over, I never got to do it. Yeah. Would you... It's 51. Would you, do you work out now? Yeah, I do work out now, yeah. I try and do as much fitness as I can. Are you addicted? Yeah. That is definitely my addiction now is fitness classes. So and, I and asked workouts. you yeah. just before we come on about <laughs> drugs. And when was the last time you did drugs? May 16, 2002, the SWAT team came and ended my uh, drug career, trafficking and participation. How long did it take for you to, because you're in prison with a lot of hardcore heroin. 90% were injecting heroin and oh, crystal meth. Two thirds oh. of hepatitis C from showing dirty needles. And that's how, and back then that's, Living with people with addiction issues yeah. showed me the horror of what drug use leads to because that road is very long and the pleasure's high in the beginning, the pain is low, but they cross over time. Yeah. If you're addicted, yellow jaundice, skin, teeth rotting out, you can't stop them. They knew they were dying. Eat your liver up, hep C. But all the day revolved around was getting high and they knew it was slow suicide and they couldn't stop, so it was sad. And people say, you know, heroin addicts, they live under bridges, they shoplifters, lock them up, throw away the key. I heard those stories. They were abused as kids. They were raped as kids. They'd seen their parents die. They were thrown away onto the streets. They were pimped out by care homes. 
and no one had given the tools to deal with that psychological trauma. So they were on heroin to block that pain out. Million percent. And then we compound the pain by throwing them into prison. But it's a huge industry. They, they need get more love. $50,000 a year of taxpayers' money to prisons yeah, per person. There's so much corruption in the whole system. And and the propaganda of how what we're conditioned to how to think and believe, you know, like, they're not prim and proper. We must throw away the key. You know, it's, it just makes me angry. They need more love. I say legalize every single drug. We Look are for, on this channel, we are for, this is our slogan, end the war on drugs and start the war on paedophiles. Because we are seeing all these resources that the police are shaking down people for low-level drug use, and the police are telling us they can't go after the paedophiles, they don't have the resources, it's sickening. And the paedophiles are well-heeled. These priests, they bring in these high, fancy lawyers, they've got hundreds of victims, and they get slaps on the wrist, and it's disgusting. Um, I wasn't going to go here, because we could spend days on this subject, but it's something I'm very passionate about. That's why I, went, that's why I was into Batman. Or Edward Woodward, the equalizer. We need. I'm not. I'm not assigned to people to go out and be vigilantes. But in my fantasy world, I wanted to be a vigilante to cure the, the streets of this evil. But it's not on the streets. It's at the highest level in the whole of society. I just. You're got fine. Got a bit excited. Stay excited. <sighs> uh, yeah. We do a lot on this case about Epstein, about elite deviants, and it, there's really an army of people subscribing to this channel that watch that stuff, and they're trying to get changes made in the world. Do you think we are allowed to say an, a certain amount of things just because we will get the David Icke brush? we become ridiculed as conspiracy theorists and mocked. So when David Icke was deplatformed, the people, one of the people behind that, they filed this report and they had a list of David Icke collaborators and they said, you can't just deplatform David Icke, you've got to get his, rid of his collaborators. And I was number two on the list. So I've already been got that brush on me. So uh, would this go out on, is there certain things we can and can't say on here? Yeah, it's probably, not a good, it's probably not a good uh, thing to, to discuss because yeah. I did discuss it in the aftermath of that and I yeah. got warned by YouTube and I had to get a video sure. taken, multiple videos had to be taken down. So I understand as corrupt as this world is, um, unfortunately, might makes right. And they've got power. Nietzsche. Um, they've got power to deplatform us and to not let us have our message. So until enough people have got mass, uh, critical mass, uh, do you know the 100 monkey syndrome? When enough people get it, everybody gets it. The yeah. experiment was done in monkeys in the South Pacific uh, several, many, many years ago. On one island, monkeys, they discovered monkeys on one island, they discovered that one monkey washed its bananas in water and it didn't. It tasted better. So all the other monkeys started copying it. 100 miles away, on an island, exactly the exact same time, the monkeys started doing the same thing. So what they're saying is these monkeys have... Um, when one when enough of them get it, everybody gets it, and we, that's the same thing. We, we're a little bit more evolved. We like to think, or are we? Uh, the monkeys. So I think we just got to do, do the best we can at the time being until everybody gets critical mass. So we have to play by the rules. Don't want to play. I by do. Them. I am. I am playing by YouTube's rules. I've got a swarm of trolls trying to take me down right now. 
And we've managed to get. What are this your trolls? Because this is something I want to talk about big time. Well, tell me what trolls you get. Are you, you're, you're, you're some it's, sort it's, of deviant, it's, pervert, weirdo, oh, druggy, yeah. everything, gangster, Every, badass, everything. Um, you name it. The trolls are going after me for it without any proof of any of it, but just saying I am all of those things. So let's rewind. Okay, so you you come out of prison, and you, hallelujah! Do you see the light? Yeah. And now <laughs> we're here and you're doing podcasts. Why are you doing podcasts? Okay, so when I got out of prison, I'm, you know, back at my parents' house on the dole. My goal is to get my life story out as a book. And I had a blog, right? And my blog started when I was in the jail. My aunt smuggled my writing out of Mac security. She smuggled it out of the visitation room. It got put on the internet as a blog, John's Jail Journal. So my goal was to turn that writing, my story, into a book, which I did manage to do with the help of, you know, um, amazing people who came into my life when I just, you know, nobody wanted anything to do with me. And so as my platform built, I felt it was my responsibility to help other prisoners who just got out and get their stories out there. And guys who've been on, you know, my first podcast guest, he got a book deal through what we did. Other guests have had people sponsor them financially. One guy was able to move to London and start up his own YouTube studio. So I do yoga, karma, and I've been trying to balance the books for the Harm I Cause Society. Now, balance the books? Yeah, yeah. I, like I said earlier, I saw the harm that drugs cause society. And I traffic drugs, and I, I put a lot of people on that road of drug use. So I'm trying to do some good now to balance that out. So, but I've also got this mission to help not just prisoners now. I've also started to help victims of abuse, and that has become a real central theme yeah. on the channel. I've interviewed people like Maria Farmer, who was a victim of Epstein, um, Annika Lucas, who was pimped out as a kid to elite when she was like was four or six years old. And it's great to see the overwhelming support that comes in from the subscribers and how it helps bolster the well-being. So the trolls you get, do they subscribe? Do you get trolls that subscribe, go out their way to give you shit? Yes, they form new accounts every single day because we block them. Right. So why do they, if they really don't like you, why do they follow you? They're obsessed with what I we're doing. I know a lot about this. There's, there's various <laughs> reasons that the trolls that I've come, come to con a conclusion of, and I've contemplated your trolls as well, and why you have trolls. And I think that um, from the Escobar quote, envy kills more people in Colombia than cancer. I think people are envious of you. And I think a lot of your trolls want to have sex with you, know that they can't, and then just put these ridiculous things online. It's good for the ego. <laughs> <laughs> said a lot of things there I'm contemplating um so I know crime and I don't ever want to sensationalize or what's the word make crime look great but crime is is a big industry I mean I love for I mean in terms of the media films books women all of all of the girls I've ever been with all seem to like crime novels or crime crime it's, it's a big subject of major major money um james english and i said to him i didn't look do any research when i went on his podcast i've done a bit of research <laughs> and i thought maybe i should have done and I, and I he's got a lot of gangsters i'm not a gangster 
I've, been, I've mixed in those circles. I was really surprised that you had me on there because, but really great podcast. I understand why he's done that because it's going to garner interest and a bit of controversy. But do you want to, and also you want to paint people much like the, I love the film, The Joker. The reason why I like it is because you see the new one, the villain, yeah. as actually see why, actually, he's, you can start to feel sorry for him and empathy. So, not everybody, Anderson, heaven forbid, I'm not uh, an Adolf Hitler fan or anything, but he must have his, we've gone, that's really heavy. My, my missus is Jewish, so, and her, her auntie was a Holocaust, is a Holocaust survivor. But he, there is evil and there is pure evil and he's probably is pure evil but if sure you could find something in him where that isn't evil you know there might be one little factor of him and it's and it's that's interesting well if you're quoting Nietzsche then beyond good and evil isn't the good and evil in everybody yeah didn't he take care of his dog you could say that was a good trait mm. he's not pure evil this is probably going to get us in trouble in yeah. YouTube talking about this. Let's change yeah. the subject. Yeah. Trolls. <laughs> <laughs> well, trolls. Trolls, listen, I mean, I, I find what he's done absolutely disgusting. And But well, I, I tried to say to try and understand well, how could someone do such horrific things to anybody? I can't contemplate. And so it's interesting why you have criminals on or ex-cons because everybody's got a story. Listen, if someone was to, to rape and do something horrible to my family or to my child, I want to do, I want to go crazy on them. And that is the criminal code in Arizona. If you, when you go in, they ask you to show them your charges. And if you are a paedophile, if you've got crimes against women or a child, it's KOS, it's kill on sight for those guys. And I've learned through these podcasts that a lot of prisoners were abused as kids and they understand, you know, why they want to get that revenge. Hmm. Why, why do human beings want to do such horrible things to each other? Human nature, because it doesn't matter. People, it? people say it's politics, it's race, it's religion, it's the Gambinos versus the Bananos. If you go throughout history, humans have always formed groups that go to war and brutalize other groups. And all of the laws they uphold within their own group, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, they reverse and do the exact opposite with other groups. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they want to preserve their way of life. Tribalism. Yeah. Might, might makes right. We're right, you're wrong. My God's better than your God because he's got a pointy hat and a better beard. Do you read Nietzsche? I don't. You've done about four, three or four Nietzsche quotes so far. He's oh, my really? favourite philosopher. Really? Yeah. Maybe I should. You should. I do read a lot of different things. I'm going to get you yeah, uh, my favourite book by him. Yeah, good one for the for a, to do in a hot bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> when you're not watching Alex Reed get sweaty and rolling around on the floor with men, just don't get too excited and splash the pages. <laughs> yeah. Good old Nietzsche. <laughs> um. So what you trolls are a sign of success, and if you're over the target, they're going to try and take you down. And we've all done crazy things in our lives that have allowed the trolls some sphere of you know um, material to focus on let's talk about trolls <laughs> <sighs> let's talk about trolls so I've just recently approached by a lady 
um, asking for advice, who's been horrifically trolled and bullied and having death threats because she posted a an Instagram uh, picture. How did your mum get up on that haystack? What am I talking about? I'm talking about Katie Price's mother, Amy Price, on top of a haystack. She totally regrets it because she's had death threats and utter trolling. My ex-wife, yeah, the lady called Katie Price, um, started a uh, a campaign called Harvey's Law to stop trolling. Isn't this utter hypocrisy? That what Katie did, she she posted. There is what I tell you why I'm talking about this so so much in a second. It's all about trolling. Uh, it was in the it was a national news headline. Um, Katie Price confronts vicious troll, and. The lady said, look, I wasn't. all I asked was, how did her mum get up there? She's apparently suffering from fibrosis of the lungs, which incidentally my mum has. My mum's in her home. My mum can't even stand up. She's got fibrosis this bad. She's also got Alzheimer's. So she's in a, in a, in a bad way. And this lady, her father, she's a full-time carer for her father. And she's trying to, um, she's just asked a question. How, your mum said she's on stage three of ready to go sort of like four or five years ago and but she's up on a haystack now isn't that complete and utter hypocrisy um if someone's posted that and it's got his hit national headlines and then someone who's trying to stop trolling is created trolling and having this pure lady get the most extreme abuse and she's and i'm saying look i'm <sighs> it's, it's it's absolutely hypocrisy and horrendous um, I get viciously trolled all the time. I, I just did the James English um, podcast, um, and I called Katie. In my opinion, I said I think she's a sociopath. Um, I actually think she's got something called HBD, which is Histrionic Personality Disorder. I'm not a psychologist, but that would explain her highly sexualized, manipulative. manipulative what does that mean? Egocentric nature. Histrionic personality disorder. It means extremely manipulative, highly sexual, wants to be egocentric with the centre of attention, and it explains. And I've, I looked at all the different cases around it, and I'm like, how you how you manipulate people around you? Let's look at let's look at why how I how I met her. Um, I was a bully kid, searching for acceptance. All I wanted was love, ultimately. Um, become a tough guy, um, roll on 300 plus fights, joining the paras, um, mixing with tough gangsters. All I really wanted was love. So the the bully little schoolboy meets Katie Price, and what I thought I had was acceptance. I thought this is great. Um, yeah, I've got some quirkiness. Uh, cross-dressing cage fighter two dynamic opposites that hit the press and it was like cross-dressing come on I've done that a few times it's not exactly it became the only thing that I was famous for oh and I've had a few fights um, I think people are criticising you for cross-dressing inwardly desire to do it but just don't have the balls well I don't cross-dress I'm happy dressed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, that's not even me really I mean that's what I don't understand Try everything once, yeah. God damn it! Haven't you watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Try, try it more than once. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't define you. It's a bit like when I called that like, like uh, Ellen, the lesbian lady. I'm and I understand why 
my publicist said we couldn't use it because I'm defining someone as one specific thing and that's not fair. That's the only reason why I was upset with James when he, he laughed about eating meat and stuff because um, on his podcast, I said, you know, that's, that's not cool. It, it was fine. He said, I'll take it out. I said, no, don't worry about it. But at the end of this podcast, can you display the headlock on me that you were going to put on James? So please? I've discovered what your kink is now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't do it at the end. Just don't go in excess on me. <laughs> um, so I was, I was, ultimately, I'm, I'm looking at somebody in Katie to um, accept me. But she didn't accept me. All she was doing was feeding me to her media walls for her own manipulation. How old were you when you got to go with her? Um, 10 years ago. 10 years ago, so 35. So I, I, the person I looked to who I thought was my soulmate um, just wanted to just, you know, they didn't want to destroy me, just used me. Listen. What was your emotional... I, I, hands up, I went for it and I did it myself. I, I, I didn't, I went willingly, but I didn't. I was naive. I didn't know what was. What were you I was emotionally doing. immature at that point? Still? One billion percent. And were you like, yeah. you know, like a bit starstruck? Who wouldn't be? I mean, I was everywhere, and I didn't know you, nobody. When you've, although I've done before, I, I, I got my first big TV show a week before I met Kate. You know, I was I'd done soaps, I'd done films, and a bit of modelling. I'd, I'd had, I'd had already had three hundred fights around the world at that point. Um, so I had some mediocre, mediocrity celebrity, but I wasn't, I, all of a sudden I was a, catapulted right into the mainstream of it all. And it's so continuously, um, in your face, you, you, you lose a sense of yourself. Does it become addictive at first? For example, walking into a nightclub with her and there's like a lot of attention to you and everyone's kissing your asses, the red carpet's of rolled course, out. Of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, that would be it, to, it, that soon wears off, mind you. But How yeah. long does it take to wear off? Um, for me, it was like about six months. Um, let's let's look at it. Um, does, I, does it become freakish that everyone's looking at you? Ridiculously freakish. Then it becomes... And, and, and then all of your people, your friends, they change. Because they think you're the big shot now yeah, that, and they're and envious or... Some, some, you start being like, this is weird. You're not yourself. It's like you, everyone's acting like different and like... And then, of course, everyone's acting different to you. How can you not change? How can you not change? So, and did you have to struggle to maintain that with your friends from childhood? There was a few, and they're still in my life. But some. And did you lose some then along the way? Lots. Listen, who was at my wedding? Who did I speak to? Who was at my wedding with her? I don't know. I, I said I don't know. Don't speak to any of them. Well, uh, one or two. One or two. Literally, I'm like that's that's sad. I mean, all these people, like, it's fair weather friends. Sad. It's very sad. Um, so your friends from childhood, though, you've still got some tight ones. Mm, no. I was unlucky there. Um, you drift apart, don't you? you? But maybe that's my own doing. You, I mean, have you still got childhood friends? Yeah, I mean, like, Wildman and his cousin Hammy are my best friends from childhood. And... Um, Wild Man has been in my life a lot because he came to America. He's deported three times, but I kept bringing him back. Hammy was in my life less, but when I'm around them, it's just like we go right back to where we were when we were kids. And there's just this loyalty and honesty that could nothing could ever break it. Yeah. And it's good to have, you know, people you can talk to like that that understand your whole life trajectory. Yeah. 
So they're your therapists. That's very lucky. And and you want you actually uh, you got brothers and sisters. I'm more of a listener with them. Right. It's just been around them as therapy, I guess. Really? I've got a sister, yeah. Are you close with her? Yeah. That's good. Is she older, younger? So my sister's younger, and um, she's a journalist. What for? Who for? She's probably going to like me divulging too much information. Which? Uh, uh, what sort of media? Yeah, she's been at the top of media. Are we talking like The Guardian, Telegraph, The Sun? <laughs> she's been in the main newspapers for stuff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's a powerful ally. She's what? A powerful ally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I see where you're going. Yes. Uh, so basically, I got fed to the wolves by Kate. Could yeah. you expand on that then, how she did that? Well, I thought I was accepted. I mean, um, I was, she split up for me when she went, I was one of the best ways to be split up with on air. Um, she split up for me and I'm a celebrity to get me out of here. And then I'll go and win Big Brother, the highest vote ever in the history of Big Brother, with um, nearly 20 million votes, 69%. And we got married two days later. So, I mean, the, the period of uh, jungle to Big Brother was a period of two months. So she split up with me on live on air. I come out of Big Brother and then she marries me two days later. It kind of explains it, doesn't it? So she creates drama just to increase her But listen, I, I went along with it. I went along. Yeah. Listen, look at the... She suffers from supposed PTSD. I say supposed. I, I, I don't know. I'm not a therapist and I've not seen Childhood her. Childhood abuse? Or... I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay. But the, my point is, um, it's to cover the cocaine use as an excuse and sympathy i mean really she did she, she she took cocaine as a drug to help with the ptsd and i'm not judging that my point is it's the it's the sympathy act a bit it's like using the mum up on a haystack and a, a troll viciously bullying her to to garner sympathy again because her mum looks fine on the high stack. I mean, it's a question I would ask. How did her mum get up on the haystack when my mum, who suffers from the same condition, can't even get out of bed? And, and this poor lady's being completely viciously trolled. The reason why I'm talking about all of these lies is because... <sighs> I've been caught with Kate uh, next month. I doubt she'll turn up. And Kate, I will say, lied in court in front of judges, and I'm sick of it. How is she getting away with all of these lies? She's lied about um, only owning a beetle when she's got a Jeep. She just then later on says she's selling her Jeep and auctioning it off for the NHS. Well, she owes, she said on a Matt Hancock um, YouTube interview that she pays all her taxes. But she owes £900,000 to HMRC. That's that's not including everybody else's fees. So um, I'm sure the the Jeep isn't going to touch the sides, but you can't be auctioning off a Jeep. How could you be flying off first class to to all these different places to have surgery and everything? It, to me, it's like it just lies after lies. Uh, jewellery was stolen in South Africa, but there was no police report, no crime report, no insurance. Hang on. And... Uh, Incidentally, the reason why I'm so why I'm even owed money is because in 2018, 
2017, she showed an audience of 40 on Big Brother's Built on the Side sexually intimate images of myself. Again, taken without my consent or will. <sighs> and I had four witnesses come forward and she was found guilty by a high court judge and I have an injunction against her. And, and when I was on the, uh, the James English podcast recently, he, um, that ended up being in the paper. And they, they, they gratuitously, the press, bullied me and trolled me, and I got trolling, by saying, um, yeah, Alex Reed calls Katie Price a sociopath, but uh, the reason why he was on the James English show was because he was talking about Kate. He wasn't talking about Kate. I mean, the dimension there, but what they said was they went into gratuitous, intimate sexual detail about things that happened many, many years ago. That, to me, is... I'm not ashamed of what I've done. I'm embarrassed. If we, if, if, listen, we can talk here, me and you now, about sex and stuff. It's fine. But we're not going to do it with the camera on. Well, we might do, but not into extreme and mention names and what we did. And imagine that continually, continually for someone who promotes anti-bullying. That is the why I'm so frustrated. And I've got a whole list of lies here. Uh, Let me just but, give a, dis a disclaimer before you proceed. But I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't be, want to talk about her anymore. Be, because there's a legal situation with you then, I just want to say to Katie that Alex is telling his side of the story. You've got your side of the story. I, you know, If you wanted to come on the podcast and tell your side of the story, I would be perfectly happy to hear that. I doubt that you will come on, but the offer is there. And there are always multiple sides to any story. So, well, my, mine to, is people all need to. evidentially backed up with evidence. I'm just being neutral. Of course, I, I understand. I understand. Yeah. So, it, it it what it is. The reason why I am I'm perturbed and I'm going on. I never want to talk about her again. But I will be talking about her until this court case is over. I want to completely exercise this out of my life for good because there's so many atrocities being committed by her and continually being committed, and it's. It's hurting my, me, my family, and then it's been thrown in my face by the, the lack of the law. CPS, Criminal Prosecution Service, didn't um, take her phones with these images which were taken 10 years ago, but she's continually showed them. I got trolled a couple of months ago by someone I suspect actually is part of Katie's team, saying that wouldn't it be a shame if someone as Katie's staff leaked the images of Alex. That would destroy him. Did she take the images on the sly? One billion percent. She says she took them consensually. Man, I was drunk as a skunk. So she's that Machiavellian <laughs> that she just did that from the get-go to have never. information she, on she you. She shared them in front of my lawyer and barrister outside a court case once, um, which I can't go into again, but... I like. I can't believe you took this. Yeah, and that's what you get if you if you cross with me. I'm like, you just did that in front of my lawyers. Isn't the laws against just taking images of but people? There wasn't then. It was just before the revenge porn law. But this is the thing, right? I'm being threatened now. This is why I'm angry because I don't feel protected. This is why there are revenge porn laws. They came in in 2015, I believe. But I'm still being threatened, and CPS aren't doing anything now. These images, one million percent, exist because if she's had since 2010 when the images were taken how many phones must she have had when she was in a when we were just in a recent court case she she turned up she was on her bed we had two phones um so she had two phones um she was a bit had a video link from the court hearing um 
that if that and she had all her staff around her. My point is, she's got two phones now. How many phones has she had? They're going to be in the cloud. So a reason why I'm going on about it because I feel scared. Generally, I'm scared. It's it's like listen. I'll live if these happen, even though I felt suicidal and I've had lots of therapy for suicide over these horrendous images trying to destroy me and the threat hanging over my whole life. But it, it needs to stop and CPS need to do something. Anyway, that's, that's the Katie Price shit out of the way. Do you think then on the whole that your relationship with Katie Price was not worth it? This is why I asked you this question. What's this all about? Because I look at the same... It's, lessons learned. Yeah. Different lessons. But I'm like, why? Where did I go? Did uh, Getting spiritual, did I choose all this in my higher self? I'm going to get a little bit hippie for a second. Please do. Yeah. Um, how much DMT have you done? None that I know of, but... I Dimethyltryptine. There's a lot of... Um, a chemical we produce laterally in our penal gland. There's certain substances you can take yeah. which will give you a more illicit effect. You can actually connect to it naturally, for those of you who don't know, but if you've not ever done a DMT trip... I think I'm more empathogenic from taking ecstasy for so long. Hmm. That has changed your personality, I imagine. Yeah. So we need to focus on <laughs> <laughs> connection. So do you, do you, um, I'm feeling it. Do you seal it? Do you seal feel anything? Like what? You tell me. I'm not. I'm from you now. No, in general, I can feel something from you now. Oh. I can feel your suffering, and I can feel how, in the face of all of your good qualities you're letting the suffering hold you back and you have so much to offer for the world and you you, you know you said you've been to the brink of suicide i was at the brink of suicide and uh, i know what that feels like you said what your mum's going through you said that with a, a very straight face but i know that if my mum was going through that right now i'd be fucking sobbing my eyes out so i i, I see somewhat what you're feeling in your heart alex that's what i'm trying to say yeah would you like? We like that always. Some people just have no. a natural affinity. No. Do you think that's I don't think I was. the drug taking or life experience? I think I was sensitive, but I think I've become more sensitive through um, taking ecstasy. I'm not saying that as an advertisement for it. I don't. No. Want, I don't no, want kids no, no. to be doing drugs, but just doing it constantly and just yeah. You just speak to each other and you connect and you feel all of the emotions the other person's feeling. They're using it to heal PTSD right now in America. A million with the troops. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and LSD. Yeah, I, 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 I see that. It's a medicine if you know how to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm big on my Tai Chi. I did Qi Kung this morning. Yeah, I did yoga. Qi Kung, you know, Qi Kung is it's like um, Tai Chi. Part my mum's got the sword. Oh, uh, the brush. <laughs> Oh no, the Tai Chi. Oh, your mum's a Tai Chi. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. But um, you, once you, there's certain things I don't, I'm not going to go into too heavy because people won't comprehend it or understand. You have to do it to experience it. There's certain things, unless you've been there, you start to open up more sensory perceptions. And you, like I said, you can go into them, you can just feel things before they happen. 
I think the work you've done is the long road and the drugs is the shortcut. Million percent. Yeah, and I've I've tried the drugs and now I want to live a long, healthy life. And listen, like I've, I've said this many times, if I'm not anti-drugs, if if it's a medicine, if there's a purpose, give me, if I've just banged my knee, give me a an anti-inflammatory, you know. So let's go back to the highlights of your MMA. What are those in your head? Um, there's four fights. I've had, um, I've had about 50 MMA fights. Um, and 300 fights total, was it? Yeah. Wow. At minimum. I lost count. Um, um, I go to events and I said, you know, we thought, oh, did we? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, that was my drug. Um, and I had almost had a DMT experience once when I won a European title. I came out of my body. I was floating above the ring, looking down. I was doing a lot of hard chicken then. And I, I was, I, then I stopped doing hard chicken and started taking steroids. What had led to you coming out of your body? I was doing hard chicken. Yeah. Uh, for about six months two hours in the morning two hours I was like a monk proper yeah. like this is what I'm saying you can become when you start to you can start to almost astral travel and I, that was scary it was kind of weird I was like this is weird I out of my body looking down at my body fighting um, I felt great you know but, um, and then I I decided this was too much hard work so that's when I started experiencing experimenting with drugs myself um, I was only 18, and I thought, okay, let's, I've done all that stuff, and let's, let's try the, the fast route. Um, MMA, basically bullied kid, done all lots of different martial arts. And what was it like then as a bullied kid? Were you used to getting hit because you were bullied, and then you, you, you start the, the door at the dojo and get hit? Are you already used to it, or is it, yeah. does it take some getting used to? Yeah, it takes getting used to. Um, I just I wanted to be, for me, I was, wasn't me. I was somebody else, multiple personality. I become a different person, you know. When I put my cape on, I'm Batman. You know, I'm Edward Woodward. I keep going. Yeah, you know, I want to go and be this superhero who can save the day. And you've got a mission, you know. I mean, and I'm scared shitless of everything. But when I put this cloak on, and and yeah, just loved it for ages. It was it was like being a a performer. And I am a, I'm an actor. Yeah. I'm an entertainer. And it wasn't a real fight. Although I could actually die. It's, un, it's unlikely. I mean, <laughs> and I ended up in hospital many times and I had all sorts of things was smashed, broken. Worst crushed. injuries? Um, I think the worst one, um, I think it's... Oh, I split my shin open. It was voted, you can check this out, one of the top worst cuts in the history of MMA of the world. I, it's like I had a vagina on my shin. Ooh. I just fought Murilo Ninja Hua. It was a pride fight. He came over from Brazil um, in a cage rage. And I was beating him. And I kicked him. I lifted him off the ground. And stop, stop. Everyone run in. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't look down. What's the first thing you're going to do? <laughs> and I, I saw it. It was like this. Ooh. That big. White. White. You see the shin. And then it started spurting. And then they said, oh, we better, we think you hit an artery. You ain't got an artery. But they tourniqueted my leg and lifted me upside down and carried me out. 
And do you know what I was singing on the way to the... Um, where did we fight? That was, um, <laughs> where did they have the Ideal Home Exhibition? Uh, in London. Oh, God. Uh, Ells Court. I was saying, he's going home in a London ambulance. He's going... Home. And I, was, I went home in a London ambulance. <laughs> I'll get this. I remember being on the couch, right? And it, it stopped spurting, right? And I'm sitting there. And it didn't really hurt because I'm still sort of like freaky you know you don't need any drugs when you've on that sort of level of pain and doctor come in he went mm. and pressed it and I went ah, what the fuck <laughs> started spurting why'd you do that oh idiot yeah, that was pretty horrible um I've done I've done everything I've ripped torn um I had a fight with a guy called Lee Murray who's quite famous he's in a prison now in Morocco he um we, actually, I got more hurt. I in, we fought in a in a in a cage fight, but then I got more hurt with him uh, about a year later when we had a rematch in the gym, and he hit me with a, he hit me in the orbit and cracked my eye, cracked my broke my, <sighs> and my eye popped out, and I had to sort of hold it in, and I drove to the Ooh. hospital like this, I taped it, and they and I had to drive like this, Jesus stupid, Christ. and um. I shouldn't have driven. That's dangerous because the fluid caught in the brain can. There's yeah, something that can happen two, there. They kept me in for two days. Wow. Uh, when I thought Tom Watson was a big fight, which you were just watching. Yeah, I urge people to go down and watch this Tom Watson fight. He it's broke compelling. the other orbital in that fight. No, it, uh, so I, I had both orbitals broken. Yeah, <sighs> and that was I popped out again. I liked it where you did that reverse spin move and just woof, lashed out like that. Yeah, spinning backfist. That's it. Yeah. It's funny, we were going to have a fight in September. It's September day. Is it September? The, is it, yeah. Are you yeah. still fighting then? No. No. I'm, be I'm battered. <laughs> but for the right money, <laughs> saying that, there is there is actually a couple of fights. I mean, I could, I'm, my body is smashed to pieces. Mm. I've actually actually got a disabled badge. Oh, uh, shit. Because um, I, uh, people you know, joke, but I mean, I, I've got, I mean, agony. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting here. I've got agony and now it's in my sciatic going down my left hip. <sighs> so is, is, the, is the yoga and the Tai Chi helping that? A million percent. That's why yeah. I do it. I mean, I plan on getting fitter and healthier. Cool. But I need to be fit because I don't want a decrepit old individual. You know, it's a action. Well, when I bit. felt you up earlier, you seemed quite fit. You felt me up? In the back muscles. What's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say, come here, come here. This is what you did. You did this hug. And it was like this. I was like, what are you doing? What's this? This is your, the, the greeting. The Sean Atwood greeting. This is how he greets you guys. We can, we can get closer at the end. Yeah. So you, you, um, do you party? <laughs> do you party? Because you don't drink. What's your definition of party? Well, party used to be sex, drugs and rock and roll. You don't do the drugs. Love the music. Do you do the rock and roll? Love the sex. But no drugs. Don't do the substances. What do you do? You got any vice? Not dark chocolate? My therapist said there's nothing wrong with positive activity, getting addicted to positive activity. How's I do that, like a bit of dark chocolate. How's that changed you, would you say, from having done, having such highs with um, substances, um, yeah, I know what they're like. I know I've, I've done crystal meth or heroin or but or crack, but done cocaine, and, and I know what that feels like. It feels quite nice. But so, one after you've done that, 
what do you, you've all right so there's all kinds of ways of getting highs doing a lineup against a bunch of karate black belts yeah. is going to send your yeah. you know adrenaline off the scale when i first started out public speaking uh, get in front of a big audience that sends your adrenaline up even when i first started out podcasting i can see looking back my adrenaline's way up on those early um on those early podcasts yeah so when you've got are you nervous are you being a good talker in, in the early podcast i was really nervous i'm thinking all along what we're going to ask next is something going to go wrong blah 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 i'm a perfectionist i'm always like trying to like cover all of my bases in advance in my head so i've got like like five questions lined up in my head for the guest if the, in case they run out of steam and learning about how guests tell those stories because some guests come in i'll ask them a question they give a 10 second answer so i've got to have five questions in my head for that person because otherwise i'm going to run out so my ideal now i've got a guest screener now and he pre-interviews the guests and he sends me a video he's done with them showing that they could tell a story and people who give 10 second answers, we don't have them on anymore. So l let me tell you about why I'm on here. Well, why am I on here? Why have you got me on here? I've got you on here because you're just an absolute charismatic, quirky, um, compelling to watch, high sex appeal. And I think you're just going to really resonate with the viewers. Good job, Purple Aki's not in the room. <laughs> um, a, a gentleman who I am metaphorically getting into bed with called, um, you tell me who it is. Who's the gentleman who I'm going to mention now who put us in contact? Oh, Jamie. Jamie. Yeah, we work very closely with Jamie Boyle. He's a brilliant true crime author and he has hooked up a lot of guests i'm i'm very Shout intrigued out to jamie me and jamie we're looking at doing um some books together and i'm i'm still not entirely sure i like him i think he's a great guy he's done some bestsellers and um but he approached me jamie boyle and he he actually asked me a lot of questions uh, did is he your guy so jamie boyle is going to be doing my right hand guy my best friend from childhood wild man's book so I couldn't give it a bigger seal of approval than that. Sounds great. Yeah. So um, Jamie Boyle, um, we're looking at doing several books. Okay. Um, do you know what? I, I he, he, he said, why don't we do a book about mental health? I said, I, I'm not qualified to do that. But then I think, hold on a second. I help people. I'm not saying this with uh, ego, big head. Um, although I have got an ego and a big head. Um <laughs> I, I get asked every week for advice on situations with sexuality, with uh, problems with the law. Listen, I haven't even talked about it. I've formed my own foundation, the Bob Reed Foundation. We'll go there in a second. And I've got a wealth of experience from all of the pain and suffering. And I've had to study psychological... Um, well, you keep, you keep quoting Nietzsche. I mean, I've studied all sorts of different people. I don't know all the names. I'm not academic on it, but I've got the experience. I'm like, oh, so I have got the experience on how to help people. I teach kids how to get back up on their feet. I run programs, anti-bullying programs. When life hits you hard, you know, um, the real stuff that you need to learn in life. So hang on, I could do a book about mental health. Um talk firsthand from all of my experiences so that's one book and i thought people want to read personal experiences they don't want to be preached at 
You've yeah. been there and done it. That's what I'm fascinated about. Like you, when you have those life-changing moments, you think, oh, like I was up on that. I shouldn't have told you that. But I'm going to, allegedly. Just, yeah, allegedly. I was and and I was meeting some very scary people and I thought I could have been shot and that would be the end of my life. There's a few stories like that. Um, yeah. Be careful what I say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Breaking Bad sign of kind of stuff. <laughs> because you've got this message to young people that overrides all this nonsense from the trolls and it's yeah. focusing on those qualities and showing that to the world that inspires the young people to do the right thing. Million don't get in the drugs. Don't get gangsteritis. Join a dojo if that's your thing uh, or you find know, something else positive to channel your energy you into. You know, with the drugs, right? Who are the biggest drug dealers on the planet? The cartels, the CIA, the uh, intelligence agencies. Really? Yeah. What about the governments, all the governments of the world? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the, yeah. the intelligence agencies are yeah, 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 the yeah, branch yeah. of the yeah. government that runs it. Yeah, yeah. I've written books about that. And, and, I, and I'm talking about cocaine and heroin. I'm not talking about all the other drugs. All the pharmaceutical, having studied. I'm not going to go into it because we'd be all down. I'm not going to get into it. David. The Bush crime family was bringing all the coke in. Through the CIA, yeah. through, through Maine, Arkansas. Clinton, Governor Clinton, was providing the state police security. Because he played ball with the CIA, that's why they gave him the White House. Where did um, cocaine become illegal? When? Was it 19... I mean, I know in World War One, in Harrods, you could go and buy an injection of morphine and cocaine to send your loved one on the front line. Okay, so... <laughs> so Coca-Cola. In the, in the 1800s... <laughs> Wine. In the 1800s, uh, therapists, scientists, even Freud, people were trying to make the names from plants from South Africa, not South Africa, South America and, and Central America. Um, Freud, he learned about cocaine's use in curing morphine addiction, supposedly. And he wrote a paper called Uber Coca. And he was so high on coke, his fiance at the time, her parents had moved her to the other side of the country to be as far away from Freud as possible. He got so high on coke, he wrote a letter to her saying, Woe to you, my princess. When I come, I shall show you um, what it's like to be a, 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 like a, a, a big man charged up on cocaine. <laughs> he's just writing all this, all this, all this nonsense to while he's high on cocaine. But like you said... They didn't know these, the, 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 you know, what was coming, the side effects and everything. So you could go into Harrods or whatever stores it was back then in the 1800s and get a syringe and some coke or some heroin. And it was pres heroin was pres prescribed to put kids to sleep. Yeah. So then there was the backlash. There was the state. When, when did that happen? This is in the late 1800s, I think. Then there was the backlash. And then the federal laws were introduced by Harry Anslinger, the first one of the first drug czars, and he was in for decades. And the whole world has its drug laws now because of Harry Anslinger. And he said to the whole world, for the United Nations, if you don't sign on for our war on drugs and make weed, weed was his main thing, marijuana, he wanted it to be made illegal because of its effect on the degenerate races. That was one of his quotes. The main reason to make it is illegal is because it's his effect on the degenerate races. He was big time racist, and we have this drug, insane drug war to this day because of this insane racist who was put in by Mellon, um, the undersecretary of the US federal government's treasury, who had investments in petrochemicals, fledgling pharmaceuticals, 
also put in by William Randolph Hearst, who had investments in paper and yeah. did the newspapers, yeah, yeah, yeah. and wiped out Henry Ford, who had a motor car made entirely on hemp fiber and biofuel, and said, why are you taking the petrochemicals of the earth, which is irreplaceable, when hemp, you can just grow it, grows anywhere and replace it and replace it. And this is why they, they, they introduced all these drug laws. What is going level. on with the world? I, I, I've, I've watched the, the, the Zeitgeist film again. Yes, I've watched them a few times. I've, wa- I ju- I've watched yeah. it for years. And um, I do you know about, um, is it Planet Project Venus, is it? Or Neptune? And long story short, we all have the ability to have completely renewable energy. Yes. And free. And it, it, it basically talks, ultimately, when you... It takes a bit of... It's a paradigm shift in consciousness. We could be, we wouldn't have to be slaves to something called money, profit. Uh, if we all, everybody just got it. But again, that's that what I call critical mass, 100 monkey syndrome. We have to do the best we can. I'm talking in yaya language to a lot of people. Until everybody has a, a paradigm shift or decalcifies their penal gland. Oh, I'm getting heavy here. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, so our intuition, our DMT, which connects us, which has synapses. When you shut your eyes, the third eye has synapses, which go back to the back of your brain. So where you can have perception, you know, your sixth sense, gut, intuition, deja vu. Um, tells you what's right and wrong. Yeah, I went to a two-day Isha yoga meditation and I had that, the, the rising of the ball of energy up the spine, explosion out the head. Like, I didn't understand what was going on. It was crazy. And I ran out of there and it was pouring down with rain. I just had my T-shirt on and flip-flops. It was pouring down with rain. I ran out there and I was like that. Mother Nature, I embrace you. That's People great. looking that at me great. like I was no, crazy. It's great. No, it's great. I know I can feel that now. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Get, I'm getting into your vibe. Um, yeah. This is the thing. I, I've uh, done some uh, DMT rituals, things like, I'm sure you've heard the ayahuasca acacia yeah. changa mushrooms and they they change you mm. you start to see the world in a different way then why why was lsd banned because it's make why do we want to go and fight why we this is crazy you know it's <laughs> it's great it's a great powerful thing why <laughs> yeah slavery um this is boils me down going back to why i say i agree with you we should make all drugs illegal have you do you know about the the the, the social scientific experiment in Portugal where they... It came from my hometown of Witness. Right. They shut it down in Witness because the shops were so happy that the heroin users weren't doing all the, the theft, all the shoplifting. They were going to roll it out across the whole country. And then one call from the White House to Downing Street and it got shut down. But Portugal got their users down from over 100,000 to less than 50,000 because they weren't scared of being arrested anymore. They were speaking to the health counsellors and it got them off the drugs. Well, well, listen, this is the thing, right? The war on drugs is a multi-trillion dollar industry. They spent two trillion on it now in America. So I've, I've explained the rat utopia quickly. Do you know about rat utopia? Yeah. Um, you, you could explain. Johan Harry, uh, I've done had some dealings with him over the years and he wrote about it, but go for it. So basically... Um, they, you give a rat um, two two rats in different cages, one with just water and heroin, and the rats in that cage where well, they take all the heroin and die. Now you get another cage and you put water and heroin, but you also make 
give the rats the best food, the best partners, rat utopia, like Disneyland in rat world. And like, the rats, they will take the, the heroin or, and cocaine water, but they, they won't take it all the time. So they try it and then they, they end up living. So basically what they're saying is the rats are happy outside of the, just the cocaine, then they, they, they're not going to keep taking it. So they, that's the theory on delegalizing. So look what we've done then. We've humanized, I'm sorry, we have commoditized human beings with addiction issues to put them in warehouses called prisons to make profit off them. Yep. They're locked down primarily. The drug of, you know, they're taking was heroin. So we, all we've done is re-traumatized them and kept them away from the park. And it's really sad. But it's that, like I said, is a massive um, industry. So this is the thing I, I understand, especially what's going on now with COVID. Uh, I've got to be careful. What I say. We did, yeah, we definitely yeah, got to yeah. be careful I, with this. I, I, I had to take all my COVID videos down. I was, okay, I, I won't, I won't go into it too much. But the, the, the question I want to ask, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, um, there is controversy. We can all agree that. There's some people who don't agree with it and they've got um, research to, to suggest why um these people who are saying um anti-covid things they're being deplatformed why because i got warned i had to i was going to get the almost i almost got deplatformed over this and our youtube sent me a, a notification and they said that if i put anything more up that went against the view of the WHO, basically I'd be wiped out. So why not get the in a free democratic well, whatever that means. <laughs> All right, let's argue it. Let's argue it and let's have it out and let's people let them decide. Or is that because we're not we people don't have the they're not savvy enough to make their own line up. So we as government or whoever is the ruling elite of the world, we need to control people by telling them what they can and can't do. All right, so anyone can just go online and say anything they want. They've got that freedom of speech. Yeah. But YouTube is a platform that's got its own rules that it devises in accordance with the needs of its advertisers. So we make a choice to go on YouTube and play by the rules. That's the way I look at it. Some people say YouTube's messed up because they won't allow us to say these things. But the things you want to say, you can just go and say them anywhere else on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. I mean on on um on the internet anyway if you want to say those things. Somewhat there's somewhere you can post them to. I think my thing is right. There's such unjust, immoral, socially irrevocably terrible laws in this world which are legal. Legality doesn't equal morality. Definitely not. And, and it's relative. Uh, let's go back to Hitler, Nazi Germany. It's all right to put gas juice and throw them in ovens. That's all right because it's legal. Laws, a, laws change over time to, to yeah. suit the morals of whatever the people are thinking at that point in time. But there's got to be people at, at different stages like, this isn't right. Like, like the Portuguese. They, they, they did that rule with the, the law with the drugs. So they have less drugs. Well, yeah, exactly. And so the, public, like, the public's behind that. And there's the people in America voting for legalization to criminalization of weed. That's not the government. That's the people at the state level reversing the laws. 
US federal government has maintained weed as a Schedule 1 substance more harmful than cocaine with no medicinal value whatsoever because that's where the corporations want it to be. I guess we can't we won't talk about hydroxychloroquine then. <laughs> Do you know that one? That that's that was a deplatform. Uh, Let's not go there if it's a deplatform. Yeah, okay. But yeah. okay. But yeah, same same. But we could talk about elite deviance and moral relativism because if you go back to ancient Greece, paedophilia with boys million was a percent. rite of passage. Million percent. And Epstein tried to use that as a yeah. defense yeah. to what he'd done. He said, "Yeah, the Spartans. You, 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 as an eight-year-old Spartan, you'd be getting buggered senseless until you were of age and you did the buggering. And now, and that's fine. And now, and your mother would send you off. Go and on. And now you've got paedophile priests getting a pass because they've got fancy lawyers, and the sentences are nowhere near hard enough. When I went to the Hemp Museum in Holland." And on the wall there, they've got people in America still serving 25 years to life for weed possession under three strikes laws. Which costs the taxpayers 50000 a year times 25, 1.25 million because someone had some weed. Yeah. You bring it to my points. Um, one of the things that I severely suffered um, and I can't, for legal reasons, go into it. Okay. But I can tell you, I because of the fact of I was so distraught and I used every single penny I have and then had money I didn't have to um, in the family court system, what a I was actually places. considered selling a kidney. That's how distraught. I had a lawyer pull out um, to, and I, I, I'm sure I can say this much. I had a lawyer pull out, and this is this is the level of desperation that when someone is so desperate uh, in a corrupt system, they will do whatever they can. You'll lose everything, and I and I see this sort of thing happening time and time again. People cash in their pensions, they put that rehab mortgage to the house, so they can. Um, uh, fund the, the family courts you know and to me it's a complete and utter racket between kafkas cms that's child maintenance service the family courts and there's these domestic abuse charities um it's it i'm not these things go on there are shitty horrible people who commit horrible crimes and those people should be punished by not seeing their their children if they're going to be violent Statistically, irrevocably, you can't deny, um, because of the facts, men, there is not an equality of law here. And that's one of the, the major things in law that we need, equality. How can there be one rule for one and one rule for another? Men don't get... <laughs> the, the statistics in terms of abuse of men and women, violence, it's about roughly 60-40 in favour of women. 60% of women get abused, 40% of men get abused. So it's pretty even. Um, I'm sure it's probably actually more. I don't have, because men don't complain. I mean, if we, we Can anyone in there check that statistic on the phone? Yeah. It, around that. I think it might be 35, 36. That round, it, it changes. Um, so, but what we, we're told continually is by a system which has been run by women feminist movement is that it all um absent parents are 
they'd beat dad. And it's this way I'm passionate to try and stop this terrible atrocity in society because that is continually making uh, another generation of children grow up. When a child grows up without a parent, generally a, a father, nine times out of ten, is causing such abhorrent abuse, abhorrent abuse in society. Have you got it? Yeah, so um, in 19, uh, 2019, seven in 100 women, four in 100 men reported abuse, domestic abuse. Right. Yeah. So, and what I've, what I've discovered and evidentially backed, it is a racket. I have evidence. Um, and this is destroying people. And, and I have people who, I know people who've committed suicide. I have a friend who committed suicide. I've lost three people. Um, one of those was involved in child um, arrangements. And let's look at the CMS without going to it too big. It's child maintenance service. This is making a fundamental... It's, it's, it's damaging our society so badly. It's a national security problem. When you've got soldiers who are more scared of CMS than the Taliban, when you've got a uh, fire brigade, uh, people involved in the Grenfell, uh, high up, who, are, who have been signed off duty to go and look after all of those families and everything because they can't focus because of the CMS are are doing uh, and it's, it's going it's all going to court everything I'm, I'm trying to not mention names um, that's that's not that's not helping society we, we need our, our services to be operating at full capacity and our soldiers I mean that's not right and it, this isn't one case this is hundreds and hundreds of cases continually so imagine our soldiers going off and they're more worried because the CMS are... Look, and what we're trying to say is there are fathers who don't pay, but they, all these fathers are paying and they can't afford to pay. They can't afford to live. They don't know where they're going to get the money. They're getting, they're getting charged extra money. And what we've discovered, it's a, a big industry, a corrupt industry, which needs to change. Um, all those expert witnesses they bring in and everything, the family court get paid bank. And I've interviewed multiple victims of the family court on this channel. And the same cast of characters just pops up all these hearings. And it's like the taxpayer's money is a feeding trough. And they've got to have reasons to get the schnouts into the feeding trough and just siphon all that money out. And any crisis, like like what's going on around the world now, is the, is the reason for the pharmaceutical companies to get the schnozzies in the and any kind of human suffering, people with addiction issues, let's just put them in prisons and warehouse them as commodities. And more than half of my friends in prison were ex-soldiers, come back from wars, traumatized, didn't get any help, ended up in prison because street medicating on drugs. People go to the family court, you are just a commodity. All these professionals, expert witnesses come in and they're making millions off the back of it, of people suffering. I don't have all the statistics, but I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Surrenders. Um, let's look at um, something which is slowly starting to get some traction, although it's been here forever, uh, parental alienation. Um, is a direct hate crime and is direct child abuse. 
domestic, so domestic, physical, and psychological abuse. Why are we not trying this in the criminal courts? This is crazy. Can you tell people what that means, parental alienation? Um, parental alienation is when the the parent who has major custody, sole custody, um, bad mouths the other parent. And it can it might not just be the the parent, it might be the family, the grandparents, and they're they're indoctrinating the child to to think uh let's say daddy in this case, which generally is the case uh daddy's you don't need daddy, he's not good, but ultimately, what they don't understand is that child psychology says is half of psychologists say that the child doesn't see it like that the child sees that half of them is bad. And it causes such abhorrent pains in the child. Um, and it destroys not only the father and the, the paternal grandparents, all, the, all of that. It, it destroys the child. And the child goes up with all sorts of statistically proven challenges. Highly sexual, um, promiscuous, um, experimenting with drugs, crazy, want, looking for love, looking for that missing link. And it... And it's a thing in society which is continually allowed to go on. And it, it's, like I said, when you've got uh, soldiers who are committing suicide and um, and fire staff who can't operate or ambulance drivers who are having problems, doctors, this isn't right. How can, this is terrible for society. And it's, it's extreme abuse. It needs to stop. Yeah, and um, which is why... I have formed the Bob Reed Foundation after my father. And again, I can't go into that entirely, but all I can tell you was a very loving man who lo loved children, um, lots of grandkids, died broken, um, really upset, and I can't tell you why. Um, and he, all he did was um, was a good, a good guy. Now, in his number one attribute was kindness. That's when I on his deathbed, I said, "What was one thing? Just be kind." Um, we're 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 fighting. We're lobbying government for transparency because the the courts are completely cut off from you. You can't. You don't know what's going on. So bad decisions are rife. The transparency would stop that, you know, because then people are going to be accountable. Because uh, it's completely secret, isn't it? The family court completely. Understandably, um, if they're safeguarding issues, um, then obviously we, you know, we protect the child. We're not stupid, you know. We get that, you know. There's going to not every case is going to be the same. Some some cases might need to be um, uh, cordoned off so you can't see, you don't know what's going on. But it should be start off as transparent. Um, the burden of proof. What does that mean in the criminal courts? If you tell a lie. You can go to prison for that. If you not in the Crown Courts, and these are destroying lies. How often are, are the absent parent, which is a horrible word, being called a paedophile? It's it's thrown around and domestic abuse. Uh, these are uh, domestic abuse is used continually because it instantly gives the um, it gives legal aid to the the other parent, so they can. And what happens then is. Listen, it's, it's just, I'm getting a bit funny here. It's just it's hurting me. Sorry. <laughs> Law of equality. 
Again, I mentioned that earlier on. It needs to be equal. It should be 50-50. In Israel, for instance, they, got, they seem to have it right. It's instantly, when, you, when a family split up, there's 50-50 custody. But the, uh, they're doing something right. They, they don't have the problems there that we have. Sure, they have problems, but not the same. Yeah. So the burden of proof. Yeah, but going back to that. You, I've had... Uh, I know people who have had the most horrific lies told about them. They've destroyed their families. Um, and there's no repercussions when the lies have been told to be, have been proven to be t lies. That's, that's how that's absolutely destroyed. What does that do to the child? Yeah, so I've formed the Bobbery Foundation. Let's be a bit more positive now. This is one thing I'm very passionate about. I once, once a soldier, want to be a tough guy. This is my way of being Batman or Edward Woodward. Um, I get to do something good. For evil to exist, a good man does nothing. So I'm, I'm doing my bit, doing the best I can to change these horrendous laws and to wake the bloody world up in the best way we can. Um, I'm not anti-women by any means. And it's funny, we've got so many women on the Bob Reed Foundation, which is, I wish I had a foundation like this when I started out years and years ago on this journey, then I wouldn't have been in such a dire situation that I've become in. But uh, I see hope, you know, and if I can help other people, then that helps me. We've just got to raise awareness of these issues. And then there becomes that tipping point in the public where the demands are made and changes are effected and it's great that you are bringing attention to the family court because it is so secretive i had no idea about it until i interviewed these other people yeah. and they just completely woke me up to the horrors so if people watching this um sharon gale what she went through with the family court is horrendous yeah and um there's a couple of the other guests as well that you could you could check out. I'll, I'm also going to put the link to the Bob Reed Foundation in the description box below the video so people can check. So yeah, if that you out need well. help, if you if you're going through trouble, contact us and we'll um, we'll see what we can do. We've got a lot of advice, a lot of help, a lot of experience on there, um, every level, as well. You know, from Mackenzie friends to lawyers to filling in the right forms. What if you don't know what where to start? You know, there's just contact me. And um, you can contact me on, um, well, you'll put the link on www.thebobbreefoundation.com. It's right there below this video. Yeah. All right, going back to your life story then, parachute regiment, what was that like? Scary, because I'm scared of heights. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm bloody tough, aren't I? Dad was a para, so I, you know, I didn't even know he was a para until I was about 14, because he was a hippie. Yeah. So, Dad was a para, okay. I have to join the paras now. <laughs> so is that always an adrenaline rush or uh, do you get used to it I think it wasn't so much a it wasn't a rush I was just scared shitless the whole time yeah I don't know I just wanted to be tough yeah I, 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 my mission to help people being bullied wanting to be uh, and not wanting to feel scared anymore so I'd face my fears by going and doing them I wasn't a fighter yeah I pretended to be a fighter I literally pretend, oh, and after maybe a hundred fights, oh, I feel a bit like a fighter now. I'm tough now, yeah. I mean, I remember like I'd be in a change room before a fight. Oh my God, what am I doing? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I've got to fight this guy. All right, let's put that hat on. It's, this is weird. I've become different people. We're all different people. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. But when you get out there, do you have to put on the eye of the tiger then on your opponent? Um, yeah. There it's like that. prison, any weakness. Yeah. You're going in, any weakness. See, that's yeah, they're going to prey on you. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that. I imagine if I went to prison, I have a bit, um, you like, y are you acting? Yes. Are you, you put, you're like, tell me, you, you're scared. First, first are you scared day the whole in, time? First day in, I'm seeing people's heads get smashed against the toilets and stuff like that. And uh, first few days in, this is. Where, where what prison uh, were you And, and, and the, the prisoners come up to me. This is, um, Towers Jail, Maricopa County Jail System, Phoenix, Arizona, 2002. Aryan Brotherhood Prison Gang completely controlled a white race. And they've just attacked someone they suspected was a chomo, a, a suspected um, child molester. Suspected? Yeah, left so, this person. See, if you're suspected, is that you're done? Generally, they will ask for paperwork. And if you say you accuse someone and you don't show the paperwork, they'll stab you up. Right. So yeah, they'll maybe a guard had tipped them off. I don't know the the. I, I was new to this, so I don't know how they come to the conclusion this person was a chomo. But this person got brutalized in the shower when the person was getting carried out. There wasn't just blood coming out. I said there was like yellow. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a mess. Does that mean he's dead? I don't know. You, you take the stretch them out on the stretcher, and you, you just don't know what's happened to them. So prisoners started coming up to me saying, "You got to get that look of shock off your face, or else you're gonna get preyed on." Now, a year later, when I got moved from medium security to maximum security, I've got all the slang down. I've got the prison walk down. I've got the dead eyes. Okay, give me the dead eyes. Dead eyes is just like, just like, just no emotion, just like, just completely like, there's nothing there. I've got warmth to me now. Look at my driver's license picture from when I got released. Come on, let's get in. Let's do some acting. I'm an actor. <laughs> Let me show you what I look I'm like when I got out. Does it take a while to become human again? Yeah, it did. Let's see if I've got my driver's license pitch here. You, you, I do know like, as you become like the people you hang around. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, look. So a year in. Um, go, go, see, go, go talk to me like. like I don't think I could do it now. I've got my can. life back. In, Just in do, me. It, do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> If you don't do it, I'm going to shank you. I'm going to shank you. <laughs> do it! Do it! Do it! All right, let's go. <laughs> do it! Do it! <laughs> I'm getting flustered. Put it in your mouth! I'm getting flustered. Put it in your mouth! Is this foreplay? <laughs> All right, let's do a reenactment. So... Oh. I've just first day in. Just crushed my phone. Right. Holy shit, man! Yeah. First, first day. Yeah, in. You got insurance on. Now you listen. <laughs> you got insurance on it. Listen, I need to do me a favour. Yeah. I need to smuggle this somewhere. Keystead in the bum. <laughs> do you think you could say that? <laughs> we'll get to tell that. me, tell me, do you actually, well, actually do that? We'll do smuggling. Let's let me just go back to my original story. So I'm shitting myself right first few days in. A year later, I get moved to maximum security. I don't know anybody. It's going to be all murderers in there. I'm thinking, right, I can act now. I can put on the prison walk. I know all the slang. I'm going to go over to the white table, the woods, and I'm going to convince them I'm one of them, and they're going to accept me, and they're not going to brutalize me. So I walk, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the prison walk, walk up to the table. Can you do the prison walk? <laughs> Come on, let's see it. <laughs> Chest up. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, let me do the first one. Kind of. Kind of. Come on, do bit, the walk. Bit lopsided, let's see. Bit, I think, like, a bit more, bit more of a spring, a bit more of a spring, like. Are you joking me? Arms out, bit, bit of a spring. That's a little bit like a. <laughs> Someone down um, I'm solo. Doing, I'm doing the camp version. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I roll in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to the head of the whites. Oh, you go straight to him? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, what up, Wood? What up, Wood? Yeah. Where are, you, where are you rolling from? Yeah. Towers. What are you in for? Trafficking. How come you're in, in Max? My bail got doubled from $750,000 to $1.5 million. That's a big bail, Wood. You guys fucking organised crime or what? And he's just looking at me. No. Is that, you're yeah, doing yeah. your eyes now. Yeah, I yeah. can see you going I'm like, I'm like, no, raves, ecstasy. Um, it was a big, big case. A lot of co-defendants, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going on and on and on to him like that. So he's like, you, you can you can stand and eat at the end of the table. So I stand and eat at the end of the table, talking to them. At the end of that, I go back to myself, wondering what have they thought of me? Have they accepted me? Do they think I'm one of them? So he comes, hours later, he comes into my cell with all his legal paperwork <laughs> and says, yeah, I want you to read this. He saw completely through me that I was an educated person. So in his mind, he has to put, where are you going to fit in his world? What use are you to ah, the gang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's a legal eagle. He can read my legal paperwork. I could put him to work for me. Third of them can't even read all right. Yeah. So it's, it's all an act. It was all an act by me to get through it to survive. I'm not a big, tough guy. No, I know. But I was around a lot of them. So if, uh, did, did you get used to be? How did you sleep? Oh man, it depends who your cellmate is. How was that? I had one cellmate who was a home invader, torturer, who was tying drug dealers up with duct tape and taking ball peen hammers to their kneecaps. They're doing what? Taking ball peen hammers to their kneecaps. That was his favourite method of torture. So I, I um, show up in his cell and he says to me, I've got a padlock in a sock. I can smash your brains in while you're asleep. I can kill you whenever I want. I didn't sleep very easily around him at all. This is a snoring desert. It's almost 50 degrees. There's hardly any cool air. So everyone's just asleep on the on the bunk in the boxer shorts without any bedding over you because it's too hot. But I was putting like a big thick blanket over me in case he just fucking got up in the night and went for my head. Did you think he would ever do that? It, yeah, I did for quite a while. And how long did you ever become friendly with him? <laughs> well, there were moments where I felt we bonded, but there were, and there were other moments where he just reverted to fucking psychotic. How do you mean psychotic? Just, he was just off his head on heroin Drugs. and crystal meth and just fucking, just raging. I mean, he, sh he was proud of what, I mean, he showed me all of his legal paperwork. The day he got arrested, it was like, um, he was in a house and they had like a tank. It was all headline news. They had the tank and like fucking police and military and everything surrounding it. And then even after um, he got sent down, he was in transportation going to court one day and there was a, a chomo 
A child molester? A child molester. Oh, child, yeah, In yeah. transportation, in the cell with them, a holding yeah. cell. And he did a kangaroo court on, on that person, stabbed him up, and said to everybody who was watching, put, put, like, a knife, put like a knife to their eyes and said, oh, fucking, any you snitch on me, I will fucking find you in the system, take your fucking eyeballs out and eat them. So he was an aggressive individual, let's say. <laughs> but somehow, I managed to get through it unscathed. Only got in a few situations. Never got any teeth knocked out. Never got any bones broken. Did you ever get any fights? Yeah, yeah. Didn't get the better of them. But like I said, never got any teeth What'd knocked out. Do? Never got What'd any bones do? broken. What'd they do? All right, one of them, the guy I mentioned, the serial home invader torturer, he used, the, he used his mate as his fucking cat's paw. Prison, I was told, is like high school mentality with deadly consequences. And this is an example of this story. Could it, could it, my, being with that cellmate could have got deadly. That's what I'm trying to say. But he got his mate to attack me when my parents had flown to visit me for Christmas. Why? 5,000 miles. Why? To spoil it. Why? To spoil it because it's, it's like I said in the very beginning, the trolls hate you because they're envious of your success and they, or some of them want to have sex with you and they can't. My cellmate, he was thrown away as a kid. He never had parents. He was just raised on the streets. He sees me, a guy's come from a loving home, had a good education, got a family flying 5,000 miles to visit him for Christmas when he doesn't even get any visits. And visits are like gold for prisoners. So in his mind, he wants to sabotage that because he's aggressive, he's psychopathic, and he wants, he wants, he's angry, and he wants to lash out at somebody. That's the way I psychoanalyzed it anyway. Do you think, could you ever see beyond his pain i did and try and tried to bond with him and understand and, and understand him did it happen no because it, it culminated with him getting his mate to attack me from that some people are scorpions it doesn't matter how Scorpion much frog. you help them they're gonna fucking sting you at some point i was married to one yeah <laughs> exactly yeah exactly um that's sad it is sad. So what happened? And my heart that? opened up for him when he told me his life story. And then, and then, what after he beat you? Uh, you got beat. He got his mate to attack me when I'm walking down this corridor to see my parents. And then what happened? Did All you right. See so your, did you see your parents? Yeah, yeah. So what happened is the big guy. He was like twenty plus stone. He was training kickboxing. I'd done about six months kickboxing. I didn't know shit. Yeah. Didn't come up to me man to man, face to face. Comes up behind me, bam, starts kidney punching me from behind. I spin around because all the prisoners are watching. Now, if you don't hit back, you're a punk and everyone's going to prey on you. But if you do hit back, you're arrested, sent to a prison within the prison, locked down, lose all your privileges, including your visits, so I don't get to see my mum and dad. And they can add more time onto your sentence. Fuck's sake. If you don't hit back, they're going to be lined up at your cell because you're now a prison punk taking everything you've got, lining up for blowjobs, and renting you out as a prison prostitute. So you got, no, you not got, all bad then. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me get to the prison sex story. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. All right, so I'm hitting back. Yeah, but some, some people, uh, generally, I've got some freaky fans. They'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah I'm hitting back. I mean, look at my hands. Wild man's hands are like twice the size of my fist. I've got like fucking office workers' hands. I'm not having any, it's like hitting a big bag of cement to me hitting this guy. So he just smashes me down and it's, it's all over. Someone says the guard's coming. I go to the visit all injured. Mum asks what's, what's happened and I can't say. She's, you know, she's already been stressed out about me enough as it is. 
so um yeah so that ended my um my <laughs> my fucking him being my soulmate yeah how did you change how did i change how did you put an order in a, a request what i did was i played the system and um if i said anything about him threatening me i would have been a snitch yeah and everybody would have wanted to have killed me yeah kos so i had the british embassy put a call in requesting that i get moved to a different cell without getting him in trouble and he come fucking running down the stairs the next day when i got moved because we were locked down and he's like there's no way you can get fucking moved out of a cell that fast 007 he was calling me 007 for some reason <laughs> he goes um I'm finding out right now if you fucking snitched on me, if you fucking snitched on me, I'm going to fucking kill you. And if you get moved out of this building, I've got people all over the prison that are going to fucking kill you. He found out I hadn't snitched on him. He was still throwing batteries at me for a couple of weeks afterwards because I was down here and he was up on the upper tier until um, I got a cellmate who was bigger, had some words, and it stopped after that. And also my new cellmate introduced me to a guy called True Tony's. Who, who I ended up bonding with, who was a banana crime family associate, multiple homicide murderer, serving um, 140-something years. So my brother's bigger than your brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two Tonys had my back. And once that happened, I never got attacked again, even though I did get in some scrapes. Wow. I know, it's fucking, it's mental, isn't it? That is mental. What is the food like? <laughs> in the jail which was run by Sheriff Joe Arpaio who prided himself on being America's toughest sheriff breakfast was mouldy bread and green bologna bologna yeah like, like some meat. fucking raw sausage meat that's gone past its sold by day yeah and the evening meal was a mystery meat slot <clears throat> got a gag now that we call Red Death and that no lunch that occasionally had a dead rat in it no lunch no lunch no lunch mystery meat slop yeah yeah but you could you buy food you could get if you had money on your inmate account sent by your family members you could spend twenty dollars a week so my lunch would be a snickers bar or a little thing of peanut butter yeah so tell me um if you've got money do you not get robbed yeah, you get extorted. Uh, so I've had a few fights. People would, um, but I've not, I've had probably five street fights in my life. Street fights. Mine mm -hmm. have been competitions on a mat or in a dojo in a ring. Yeah. Very different. Mm -hmm. The competition, there's rules as a referee. What would happen to me? Would okay. I get, would it be tools? I mean, I could fight. What I learned one was, one. even, I mean, I'll have a go. But the thing is, what I learned was over time, the guys that are the toughest have the highest mortality. I'll give you the story of a Golden Gloves boxer. Mortality? Yeah, gonna die. gonna die or gonna get attacked or gonna have to fight the most. I'll give you the story of a Golden Gloves boxer who was part of the Italian Mafia clique in prison. He was a friend of mine. These guys were absolutely great guys. He became the head of the whites. This is, um, I'm living in a 45-man pod that's designed for 15 prisoners. So it's way overcrowded, tensions are high. Crystal meth use is rampant, so people are paranoid as fuck. 
So I don't. I've... He's got to fight constantly. Why? Because he's the head of the whites. Oh, so he's in charge. Yeah, and that's 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 violence within the race. Just disciplining your own people, because the gangs are running the drugs business through the prison, which is their absolute priority. They don't want interracial violence, because then everything gets locked down for days and it stops the flow of the drugs. So if you're tough, you're fighting all the time. You've got. He more. was fighting all the time, and he ended up fighting a guy called. It was a rule eleven, which means seriously mentally ill. And I watched this fight, and it went on for fucking ages. This mentally ill guy could not be knocked out, and he had him against the wall like he was gonna fucking kill him. Just his head was just, and he was covered in blood. And um, he'd leave, he'd leave the cell with this guy covered in blood and and tapping out or whatever, or just saying it was over. And just as he's out the cell, the guy jump on his fucking back again. And this went on and on and on, and it like he was gonna kill this guy so many times. And the next day. The Golden Gloves boxer guys, his hand was like as big as a fucking grapefruit. All his teeth were chipped to fuck. And he was like, that's it. I'm not fucking being the head of the whites anymore. I'm sick of it. So Did he did he have to res did he get done after that though? Um he, he just passed it on to somebody else. Because he did have respect because he'd won all of his fights. He won every single fight. Then he had an easy life. Can you have an easy life in prison? No, you can't. It's never an easy life. Even if you're trying to have an easy life. Someone's going to plot some drama against you. It's because of the nature of the people in there. Yes. Or is it, yeah. it, it doesn't matter, even if you're the best nature, I imagine, because you're, you're confined and there's all that drug use. It's a predatory environment it's, it's, where animal instincts with that, with, dominate. So the, the drug use, right? I mean, yeah. that, what's the come down like on this crystal meth? Okay, so I was doing crystal meth. I wasn't injecting it. I was snorting it. And um, how long does in that the, keep in you In the high beginning, for? I felt superhuman. What does that do? Does that keep you high? It, it for makes it makes coke look look weak. Right. You just do one line of meth, and that's it. You're going for a day. Wow. Yeah. So a, a lot of people day. crossed over from coke to meth, so they didn't have to spend all that money, and they could just stay high. So I started out in the stock market in my office. Can you function on that stuff? In the beginning, you can, but then the side effects hit. So in the beginning, I thought I was superhuman. Didn't have to sleep. I was, they, I was making a record amount of money because my aggression went up on the phone with my clients. They used use it in World War II for the troops. Yeah, so. they did. Uh, there, was a, there was a different recipe that they used. Um, so is it good for a soldier to fight? Okay, in the beginning, you will be hyper vigilant and alert. I think they use some kind of speed with pilots. But over time, anything that destabilizes your natural state... You go to, you're going to go. You're gonna go the other way. So I'll give you this, a story of what I saw, headline news in Arizona mailman picture of him healthy glowing face full one year later crystal meth addict face completely sunken in yeah. eyes bugged out that's your jaw doesn't it i see that what, what, what why he'd made headline news was because he'd been driving on the motorway or the freeway as they say in america with his two sons in the back of the car he'd been up for days he was having psychosis hallucinations he saw that one of his sons had turned into a demon that was going to kill his other son reached under his driver's seat pulled out a rambo knife and cut the son's head off in front of the other son that's where it ends up people think the drugs are, are, are glamorous and it's so much fun but the pleasure goes down every time you do drugs and the pain <sighs> rises in the background yeah yeah i read this yep yep oh man should we just go over to the prison sex i think that might um give us more of a laugh than this dark realm did you ever like get nervous about 
What if she ever wanted to knock one out? Is that easy? We've done videos on can you wank in prison? And there's various... Like, <laughs> all right, so going on a date, there's a lot of terminology in this stuff. Going on a date means in the plastic bag, your breakfast bread is served in. You're allowed seven photos in your cell, so your bird can send you some sexy photos, lingerie, whatever. You get your, your, your bird's photo in the plastic bag. You get some tape... And you put it on the shower wall and the plastic bag protects the water and that's going on the date is beating off to the pick of your girlfriend. Right, in the shower? In the shower, yeah. Are the showers like, are they, have you got private <laughs> cubicle or not? So there's a lot of different showers in different security levels of prison. So in Supermax, you got your own cubicle. In Max Security, there was a day room and there was a bunch of open plan showers so there's like, when you go to a urinal, sometimes there's like a bit of a divide. So you can like kind of go in the divide with your dick. So it's kind of covered from the guards watching and the people in the day room and, and wank off. They can see your elbow going like that. But care. it's understood that you've got to get it out. So they don't do anything? No, they don't. They, they, okay, all sexual acts in prison are considered um, a disciplinary infraction. And they can write you up for any sex act in prison, whether masturbation or sex with a guard, consensual or otherwise. You can get serious trouble for it, but in that jail, obviously guys had to fucking get it out of the system and they allowed them to do it. But in other circumstances, um, if a female guard pops up at your door doing a count in the night and you're whacking off, you're going to get a very serious charge for that. Right. Yeah. So you don't whack off in your bed? In your you got to time it right. I generally did it in the shower where I knew what I had What about I had rapes own. and all that sort of stuff? Rape is so common in American prison, you've got to go to a rape class now to get taught how not to get raped. How do you not get raped? Well, the rape class is just a waste of time. It's just a box ticking exercise. You watch a video. There's young people in the day room. I'm sorry, there's predators in the day room. The new arrivals come in and the young people who are naive and don't know the ropes and are hungry take food from the predators. Then they got them. Because then they say, look, you got to pay for that now. Well, I got no money. Well, we're going to stab you unless you pay for it. Well, how am I supposed to pay for it? Go in that cell over there and just do whatever he says. And that's called getting turned out or becoming a, a prison punk. And then you get rented out by the gang. There's no turning back from that. The conclusion of the rape class was to stop rape, you've got to report it. Report anything you're a snitch. So it's just... Um, How often do people get done for being snitches? People get really... Um, at the bottom of the spectrum, the hierarchy are snitches and chomos, and they are generally KOS. But there's a lot of people saying this guy's done... Do they not have their own um, dorm? Uh, sort of yes. If they get brutalised uh, so much, they will get sent to their own prisons eventually if they make it alive, out alive. What a horrible time, eh? I'm, I'm intrigued to read this. Yeah, scary. I can see the picture, your face, like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to send you um, Nietzsche's Eke Homo as well. Wow. So I had trans friends in prison that would make melt plastic into sex toys. Do melt plastic? Into sex toys. They had one, uh, Zena, who was six and a half foot, very charismatic. She made her own beaded G-string. Wow. And she introduced me to her friend Donna, who had 
completed the removal of the testicles with a razor blade. And Donna was the closest thing to a woman I saw. And she was coming on to me, saying she loved the English accent and she was an Anglophile. Hang on, she, she, she took her testicles off in prison? Yeah. How did she do that? All right, well, Zena did it as well later on. I'll tell you exactly how Zena did it, because she written me a 10-fucking-page letter on it. Did they? So Zena wakes up one morning. I know castratos uh, back in the med medieval ages, they were to keep a choir boy with a high voice. They tied their balls and it would just drop off. So Zena had Mosby's Medical Dictionary and a cup of coffee. No painkiller whatsoever. With a felt-tip pen, she drew various lines on her scrotum. Gets the razor blade, cuts the scrotum open. The testicles are on branches called the vas deverens. She severs through the spermatic cord on one side and the grizzle to get one side off. What does get, that mean? What does that, what does that do? What? What, what, there's, there's like a um, spermatic cord and grizzle holding the testicle to the vas deverens. Just like two eggs on either side. Yeah. So she gets the razor blade and cuts through that. She's got it tied off to stop the blood. How did she tie it off? I don't know. But she's but the other testicle, uh, the, I'll give you the whole details. I'm just paraphrasing um, from, from her letter um, after the podcast. It's in my book, Prison Time, if anyone wants to check it out. The other nut must have known what was coming because it retracted into her body. So now she's got her hands up in her guts looking for it. And where she has got it tied off to stop the blood, comes open and blood squirts across the cell. And now she's thinking she's got to get the other one off. She's going dizzy. Oh, she's going to die. The red hot pain is hitting her from cutting the first one off. She's going dizzy. She's scrambling around and she said she could feel her organs and stuff, squishy stuff, trying to find this other testicle, but she couldn't find it. But fortunately for her, they got a helicopter to the prison just in time to get her to hospital to save her life. She was on suicide watch for a year and then she cut the other one off. And the, the, the previous um, trans that I mentioned who cut them both off, hers got infected and she got busted because it got infected and she got in a shitload of trouble for it as well. Um, but the trans prisoners believe they are women trapped in men's bodies and they want to get the estrogen smuggled in. What they sort want of pain cut was off that the testosterone. Pain? When she first cut it, she said the pain wasn't what she expected. She thought it was going well. But it was later on when things went wrong, the red hot pain started to hit her. <laughs> Have you heard that story before? You haven't heard the story about when she first came in. It's hot or not? It's a horrible dark story. Oh, right. And how she stopped it. Oh. She started fighting back and she used bird beak strike out of karate where she took the next two times the gang came to to rape her. The first member of the gang to put his hand on her, she pulled his eyeball out. After she did that twice, they left her alone. On wow. two separate occasions she did that. It actually worked. Yeah. yeah. Well, they teach it us in karate. I, did, I, did, I thought that was impossible. Kill Bill. Yeah, Emma yeah. Furman. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not Emma Furman, it's the other one. Wasn't that what the guy did on you? Or did he just hit hit your eye out? Oh, yeah, do you know what? That was painful. Yeah. I've got uh, Xavier Fupacum. I'll call him Xavier Pokum in the Iron, a French uh, champion. Um, he, um, yeah, we were having a fight. 
again, that, that where was that? That was Old Court again. Yeah, I think I, I don't know if I was singing. I'm going home and he was going home in a London ambulance. So, um, he's going home in a London ambulance. I went home in a London ambulance that time as well. You looked. I went back in. You saw that one. It's like being struck like lightning. Yeah, I was beating him, hit him. Yes, and then he the thumb. I, I mean, did it with the, the thumb. But to the back of the head. I mean, the pain. Yeah. Oh God! Uh, you see it. It's like I've been hit by lightning. Yeah, jump backwards. Fucking hell! And I'm like, can you carry on? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And then Jesus about five Christ, seconds later, man. the other one. <laughs> can you carry on? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've carried on. No, you can't see. I mean, that, that shit happens. He, he was an all right guy. I don't, I mean, I'm, I was gutted because he come out fast, really yeah. fast. And he hit me and then I'm like, I got him. And I'm like, right, I'm going to win. Yeah. Hey, hi. That's, so, diff so, that's a different person though. So the gang left her alone after that, but they went on to some of her friends. One of her friends was gang raped. Then they shoved a light bulb in his backside and made bets on who could smash it first. And that prisoner committed suicide. Another one though was gang raped and they got a shovel from the work crew and cut his head off. And that was the Aryan Brotherhood and they positioned it in a part of the prison where the rival gangs could see it to make the point they were the most violent and ruthless gang, yeah. It's, I mean, these stories they told me, they'd served decades, these people, when I met them. I was like a fresh fish. And the stories just absolutely blew my mind of what they'd seen over the years. I don't like nastiness. You don't strike me as not a person who also doesn't like nastiness. <sighs> and when you see these sort of things, it does change you. Yeah. And it's sad. We live in a sad world. And you realise how dangerous the world is as well and what humans are capable of. Yeah, man. It's all right. I've got my Superman socks on. <laughs> I just realised I've got blue socks on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Alex, you've been very generous with your time. You've done over two hours. Do you want to say anything in conclusion? Oh, it's been a pleasure, mate. I find it fascinating. You, I'm, I've been listening to you. Mm. I find it absolutely fascinating. Just want to say that. Yeah, so I'm an exciting guy. Um, I haven't told you one thing. Um, there's a bit of sadness here as well, but it's not that sadness because I believe in the law of attraction and I'm vibrating where I'm going to go. Um, I'm having a baby this year oh, or next congratulations, year. Congratulations, man! Well, the baby isn't actually implanted yet yeah. we have four embryos in the freezer and we're ready to go we've, we've had some trouble me and my lovely lady nicola who i really really know what love's all about now um babe mini reed is in the freezer ready to go so i'm going to be a dad again next Fantastic. year so i'm really looking forward to that oh yeah um yeah so i'm gonna have a baby and if anyone needs any help in the family courts check out the bob reed foundation yeah like please go down there and check uh, that link out i also i um I run boot camps, bit of an entrepreneur, um, plan on taking over London with my different boot camps, Boot Camp UK. So if you're interested in boot camps, check that out. That's uh, that's the day job, you know, away from all of the other craziness. Yes. When I'm not being a lovely, loving darling, darling. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to squat down here 
And as we promised the viewers, you were going to demonstrate the chokehold you were going to do on James English that day. I'll um, suffer for him. <laughs> Go through that. So which one should we do? Okay. So you get that bit. This is easy. And you go like that. And Fucking hell. Oh, wow. oh shit. Do you want to, do you want to go out? <laughs> no, no, oh, I, I, I got to close the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Do you right. right, sweetheart. I think you've just fixed something did, did, in my did neck. Did we do the other I side? You, I think you've fixed something. Did I, did I, did I click? click? <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, that's called a rear naked. <laughs> rear naked, baby. Four play, baby. <laughs> you haven't got a gi on. <laughs> a gi is a martial arts uniform. Yeah, I've got one of them. Oh, have you? Yeah. Yes, yes. Sean, it's been a pleasure, mate. Is, is there anything you'd like to uh, finish with? What are you doing after this, big boy? I'm going to do my boot camp. Okay. Props to you for doing that. And we've got another guest coming. Who have you got? We've got a guy whose story has never been told before. I won't say his name at this point because this one's going to come up quite quick. I don't want the trolls just going all over him. So... Um, it's going to be fascinating, though. Everyone we have on here is just absolutely gripping true stories. Yeah. Where are you going? Where am I going? In a, That's a general question. Oh, man. It's like... 51 I, years <laughs> young. <laughs> so when I was young, I watched Wall Street, Greed is Good. My goal was I've got to be a millionaire by the age of 30, which is what I did. But went off the rails, had no emotional maturity. So... I used to be like the Chinese, five-year plan, 10-year plan. I just wake up with a smile on my face now, see how the day's going, and everything's just really expanding for me in a positive direction without having that drilled in my head. i got to be, you know, be this you, and Do be you meditate? And, yeah. I can see. And Thanks. you're quite philosophical. I mean... And you've had a lot of experience. I mean, mm. I, I, all the, where you've come from yeah and where you've been and then to come over out of all of that yeah i I find you quite fascinating i um it's really weird because i think i told you when i spoke to you just before i came on here Mm. i saw a a youtube cartoon video of you Mm. um about this famous drug kingpin (laughs) i was like oh that's interesting infographics that one yeah yeah and now i'm here isn't that crazy yeah, I thought that guy's interesting, and I thought I always wondered what's is he? What's he like? Is he? Mm. I mean, seeing gangsters, they're never like the businessmen. I think people are fascinated um, because it's like the story of a normal person in dangerous situations. I mean, I do I'm know like, the scariest stereotypes, uh, but yeah. I mean, there's every there's all sorts of types. The stereotype is like the. Uh, this scary looking dude yeah and i and i've i've seen these sort of people and they're scary and, and i see that nastiness but that's not all gangsters i get criticized all the time people say atwood thinks he's a gangster atwood's you know saying he's a gangster i've never ever said i was a gangster yeah. i graduated from university and just set my sights on transferring the rave scene from manchester to arizona well who are the biggest gangsters in the planet the governments the, the government planet. politicians <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. go and let's make, like I said earlier on, legality doesn't mean morality. Yeah. And it, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. And it's, it's 
we need to stop this. We do. We need to end the war on drugs and start the war on pedophiles. Yeah. Yeah. Will we ever do that? I think the public pressure is rising. I mean, this Ep the Epstein case. How do you stop that? Sean. How do you stop that? Everyone from Prince Andrew, when, all these people. But, but how do you stop that, though, when there's, I mean, there's so many bad people. Do we, I'd, I'd love to go, like, I mean, with the, doing um, the, the ghettos in Bangladesh and mm. in uh, in India, you know, the, 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 the going in, these, these poor children who are just. I just interviewed a guy called Ross oh, Wilson, and it was the first guest who made me vomit in my mouth. And I vomited in my mouth uh, interviewing this guest because he talks about the kids in those countries and these things called red rooms where you pay to watch it and you pay for the level of torture you want to be done on the kid and for the kid to ultimately be murdered. Red rooms, yeah, they're out there, exists. When you've got, I mean... These sort of people, like, um, they they want... Why can't they use that that anger and hate to go and stop these bad people? They do, don't they? There's like a cycle of it, isn't there? Where a lot of people who were abused end up feeling that the only way they have any power is to, like, put a gun to someone's head or to do something abusive back to someone else because they've just... No one's helped them their entire lives. The government shutting down the youth centres and all these things are factors that just contribute to this. And a lot of the violence that we're seeing around the world is because drugs are legal, criminals competing for that black market profit. Knife crime in London, hundreds of thousands dead in Mexico. A lot of it revolves around the drugs being illegal. Sorry, that's just still getting... Trying to get that image out of my head. Well, I've got the podcast. It will... It'll, yeah it's going up um, Ron Swanson The Deep Web and Red Rooms um, if people want to watch that one but Ron believes by exposing it by showing what's happening it's the only way to get these things shut down bring, bring Could we, look, if we, look, if, look, um, we're Bruce Wayne and Tony Stark together and we've got an army of we've got multi-billion dollars we create our own army of <laughs> anti-pedophile <laughs> Edward Wood who equalises is that going to stop it or we're going to kill them all is that going to stop it? All? I mean, listen. Let, let, what about what about castration? Then doesn't even work. That does. It's still just. I mean, from what I know, yeah, it's going to stop them physically being able to get an erection. But and there's castration where they can have chemical castration. So, it's, but how does it? Doesn't necessarily stop someone to abuse. The majority of it is men, isn't it? And I think if, you, if you can cut off the, the male sex drive by chemical castration. Perhaps it is it the majority men? I don't know the statistics. Yeah, it is. I'm not, I mean, I, it, that would make common sense. Yeah, and the most common, um, it's it's like within the family, and alcohol is involved. Happy thought. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, like some light. Let's let's finish on something light. <laughs> I'm not trying to dis 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 generate this. I mean, I generate. That's the word. Uh, throw this under the carpet. Yeah. I just, I, I'm conscious that we're about to leave, and I want to. Yeah, yeah. I want to leave with uh, some energy. That <laughs> 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 <No>, we're happy. <laughs> yeah, it's a nasty oh, world, but I'm an I'm Look, there are good people. <laughs> there are good people. There are man. Uh, it's it's there's good and bad in everyone. There's good and bad all over the world. 
by focusing on the good, we can help it come out. Yeah. Yeah. I keep talking about that critical mass where like, enough people can vibrate at the same frequency. Mm-hmm. I generally believe that will save us. Yes. Uh, make us, um, I think human beings are naturally good. They are. And we've been corrupted. You're gonna get, I'm not going to go into this because we'd be here all day with mm-hmm. the Garden of Eden and all the different anarchy and <laughs> being twisted and bent and all that sort of stuff yeah. by different entities and beings and aliens and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. long story short, um, we are good and we're trying to get back. There's enough good people. Once we, yeah, yeah. It's a message of love. Yeah. All you need is love. And we'll have a big smoochy hug in a minute, but I just got to give the closing credits. Thank you. Thank you for watching this. Hope you've enjoyed it. It has been deep, fascinating, emotional. I just feel like I've got such good chemistry with Alex, having only just met him. Would love to get him back on. I've got all these questions sent in for him that I didn't even have to refer to. So it would be absolutely brilliant. If you guys would like a part two, please put that in the comments below this video. Huge thank you to all the people who've donated so we can film these in podcast studios with Joe and James, cameraman, sound engineer. Huge thank you to all the Patreons. Huge thank you to people who've gone down in the description box and clicked on our other links, supported our socials. And today, particularly, we would like you to go down and click on the link for the Bob Reed Foundation and support Alex's important work. If you need any help, contact us. Thank you. All right, brother. Yeah, absolutely fucking amazing, man. Well done. <laughs> oh, what's this, man? Oh, I like that. Just relax. Relax? Just relax. Okay. Full oh, attention. Is this gay? <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't go in the direction. Oh. <laughs>